Hello, welcome to 2002 A Film Odyssey. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. And uh, we're going to start this episode off on kind of a, a sad note. I would say a very sad note. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, There's going to be a lot of long pauses, I think, in this intro, just because uh, we're kind of... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'll probably... I, I can clean up some of the yeah. pauses in it, uh, but also we want this to feel genuine because it is. Um, yeah, and we're still kind of collecting our thoughts. So uh, if this sounds awkward or um, maybe not as smooth as our normal show, which yeah. don't get me wrong, our show's not <laughs> the smoothest, but it's, um, uh, it's it's because it's because we're still trying to process it all as well yeah um so we're recording this on june 14th uh 2022 uh, about 10 exactly 10 days ago on uh, june 4th a uh, very good friend of ours uh chris baker passed away uh who if you don't you know if you don't know us personally and you just listen to the show he was uh, our guest on the uh, rollerball episode. That's right. Yeah. Um, and like, not to be too jokey, but like, you know, Chris was a good friend because he was willing to watch rollerball. Yeah. And talk about <laughs> it for three hours with us. Um, um, because that's just the kind of guy that he was. Yeah, he was up for anything. It, you know, he'd be like, "You want me to watch uh, rollerball and talk about it for three hours? No problem." Yeah. <laughs> he was really. <laughs> Uh, game for anything um yeah and like we just said we're still kind of processing all this so if we sound you know like we haven't composed ourselves that's because we really haven't about all this but uh uh yeah i i'd known him for about 11 years pretty well we'd work together at a record store we dj together went to a lot of shows and movies and uh, he was a guy that I uh, knew really well and considered a really great friend and always thought that uh, we were very um, simpatico like we uh, were on the same page about a lot of things and uh, before I knew him like super well like he was just a guy that I would see around and you know, I think Dan knows this. We'd see him at, you know, uh, the record store that I'm talking about. He worked there before I did, and we always knew him as the nice guy who worked at that store. Yeah. Yeah. Chris was, Chris was really, like, in a lot of ways, like, a Long Beach icon. And yeah. In, in a lot of the, the sort of, like, circles and... Um, scenes that we kind of tried to be a part of like Mm -hmm. you know we were really into collecting records still are and music and and like that store was to us growing up like such a landmark location Mm -hmm. um, in Long Beach and you know Chris was like one of the mainstays there for uh, ever Mm -hmm. um for as far back as I could remember and um I think it must have been 2008 or nine. I think he started working there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, 
you know, I, that, you know, is, you know, when we, when we started going there regularly as adults, like with our own money to spend and stuff like that, that's, that's when I remember, um, seeing Chris all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I met Chris through you, um, a few mm-hmm. years ago, um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I'd talk to him at the store, but I didn't know him yeah. like super well, but started to get to know him, uh, through you. Um, and then eventually I became his coworker as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, I saw Chris every day for the last, like, maybe not every day, but five days a week for the last, you know, eight, yeah. nine months. And, um, yeah. Anytime something like that that's such a constant in your life you know some sort Mm -hmm. of personality a presence of you know just someone that you can reliably say hey to and talk about Mm -hmm. some of the stuff you like or what's going on in your lives um it's a it's a real it's a real shock to the system Mm -hmm. to not have that anymore yeah so yeah and you know there's been a lot of like you've probably read a lot of like little tributes on social media and you know people post photos on instagram and i was like reading a lot of them and the one thing i thought was interesting that like people didn't uh point out i mean everybody was like noted that he is like one of the you know nicest kindest you know people that they've ever known which is very true but uh, I was a little uh, surprised that nobody noted how funny Chris was. Yeah, Chris, I, I was thinking about this, too, when mm-hmm. I was thinking about, like, what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was, but Chris had, like, a sense of humor that snuck up on you. Yeah, graceful. Very much so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just like, all, he would say stuff to me, mm-hmm. and then I would just kind of blow past it, and I'd be like, wait, wait, what? What did you just say? <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> effortless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, it, it, um, it, it always, it, not that it caught me off guard, but it mm-hmm. was always just like, yeah. he would find ways to say things and interject them into random normal conversations mm-hmm. that would really kind of like disarm any kind of situation like yeah if i were stressed about something and i were if i were complaining about something about work or whatever like he would find a way to just say something that like just kind of like made you feel at ease yeah and comfortable mm-hmm. yeah he was very funny and uh and i think he and i got each other's sense of humor pretty well because i you know i would make those little short short films and he'd be in them and uh i feel like if i were to just ask anybody to like be in those and say like oh yeah just do this thing they'd be like well why do you think that's funny just to like have me like poke my head around a corner and just make a a face and stare at the camera for like 20 seconds (laughs) but uh like I would say, Chris, yeah, do this thing, and he'd be like, "Oh, that's funny." <laughs> like, okay, I get it. So we, yeah, we got each other, I think, pretty well. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be uh, really weird not to have him around, and you know, something that's gonna take some time to, you know, to come to terms with. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, and if I, you know, if I'd known the last time that I talked with him was going to be the last time, I would have told him, you know, that I loved him because he was, uh, he was a great guy. So, uh, I know, again, I know that's a kind of a downer way to start an episode, but he was part of this, uh, podcast, uh, family. I mean, yeah, he was, um, I mean, and, and we had, we had plans with, Chris, you know, to have him come back on again, mm-hmm. like really soon. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's always hard to find people that kind of like, don't, don't think the things that you're doing are stupid, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like this podcast is pretty stupid, but it's a thing that we <laughs> like doing and we have fun doing. Yeah. And from the beginning, Chris always just kind of like thought it was cool that we did it uh-huh. or was supportive of us. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of friends and loved ones that are supportive of us that, for doing something so stupid <laughs> as this. But I don't know. It's 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 always a special feeling when someone is just kind of like, yeah, I you know I get it right sure. there with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. And like we said, he watched Rollerball. <laughs> he watched Rollerball. <laughs> Rollerball 2002. Yeah, which I yeah. still think is the worst movie we've watched on this show. And that's, uh. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a cruel thing to ask of someone, to watch yeah. the, the worst movie uh, so far yeah. from 2002. Um, yeah. I, I think we could probably go on and, you know, talk about how great of a guy he was um but you know we've i feel i feel like i've done a lot of that the last 10 days it's it's a lot it's yeah. a lot to go through um grief is is a very difficult thing to parse through um yeah. and you know like you no one can be expected to have the like perfect perfect reaction to something like that you know mm-hmm. and, and and there's no set amount of time for which you should have figured it out or yeah you know made peace with it so mm-hmm. it's going to be an ongoing process for sure but um we 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 just would have felt uh remiss if we if we didn't um spend a few minutes talking about this at the beginning of this episode yeah. before we get into a really stupid episode. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna be and he he would want nothing else than for us to talk about uh, a very stupid yeah, movie. Uh, I, I think he would, you know, find this situation funny. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, even though it's very sad to us. It, um, it's yeah. Uh, we, you know, are. Our episode that we're going to be talking about, you know, the movie that we're going to be talking about for this episode is a home video edition where we're going to be talking about Don't Say a Word, the Michael Douglas uh, ticking clock thriller. Set on Thanksgiving. Set, uh, yeah. On, on Thanksgiving or on the day th- before? No, it's on Thanksgiving oh, okay. Day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we didn't... <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to talk about this. And that movie like all in one <laughs> episode yeah. uh you're gonna hear a little uh little theme song break before we yeah. get back into it we're, but um 
we just wanted to uh, take a couple minutes yeah. and, and make sure we, we uh, said a few words. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break, enjoy our theme music, and we're going to compose ourselves, and we'll be back in a couple moments. R.I.P. Chris Baker. R.I.P. for this one actually I, I don't normally take notes so i took a lot mm-hmm. and then after my last note which was like i don't know 20 30 minutes into the movie mm-hmm. i didn't take a single note for the rest <laughs> of the movie my last note is cool cooking montage <laughs> when he's like making french toast on the morning of his daughter's abduction well that's like the first 10 minutes right no oh yeah you're right that's because he goes to see Brittany murphy and yeah. he's like late yeah, that's and he, right. And he has to, like, go get that turkey on Thanksgiving Eve and somehow <laughs> just gets one, which, uh, that's, like, not possible <laughs> at any, at any, uh, fucking grocery store the night before Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right. Oh, number, number one. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, I do remember the... How I saw this movie, but I guess we'll get into that yeah, yeah, as soon as we start. All right, I'm good. Whatever. Ready? Yeah. All right, and we're back. We're back. We're back. Uh, and uh, like we said, this is a home video edition, so we're talking about a movie that did not get theatrically released in 2002. No, this was a 2001 movie, yeah. um, but it did come out on DVD in 2002. Right. What what date did it come out on DVD? Uh, I don't know, actually. Uh, uh, I assume February? It was definitely like mid-February. I usually have these dates ready. Uh, February 19th, February. 2002. Okay. So we've technically passed it, so we're just circling back a little bit. Before we get into um, next week's episode, which is Monsoon Wedding. Right. Um, But if we're going on the home video timeline, this was after Bad News Bears. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So So we're... We're still fine. We're still good as far as the home video timeline Also, I don't think anyone cares if we... Nobody's going to be like... (laughs) Well, uh, wait a minute. Excuse me, that didn't come out at that time. (laughs) Hold on now. (laughs) Uh, But this came out theatrically uh, September 28th. 2001 yeah yeah september 28 2001 um we're not gonna do the box office and stuff yet but i will say looking Mm. at the top 10 it's a fun it's a fun top 10 yeah uh in that it's hard to believe like all of these movies just like came out at that time just around yeah uh given the state of the movie i mean you and i were texting a little bit about this last Uh night yeah but like this movie came out September 28, 2001, so, like, literally, like, 17 days after 9-11. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we've we've tried to kind of contextualize 9-11 a little bit on this show before with mm-hmm. some other things that we've talked about, but, like, I mean, that was the 
the wildest time in American history in our lives. Yeah, in our time, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie still came out two weeks after. Yeah. And I was was saying to you that, like, if something like 9-11 or, you know, like, an equivalent of it somehow, which is horrifying to imagine, Mm -hmm. obviously, but, like, if something like that were to happen today, we probably wouldn't get a movie for, like, six months. Right. Like... Because they don't make enough movies now, yeah. and the ones that they do make, they're so scared of not turning maximum profits on yeah. that they're just they they just wouldn't put it out. We would just see right. like Thor, uh, Love and Thunder or mm-hmm. whatever it's called in yeah. like twenty twenty four or yeah. something like that. I don't know why I was about to say Thor Pride and Glory. <laughs> Pride and Glory. <laughs> Yeah, it's about Thor, uh, Thor uh, on the NYPD with yeah. Colin Farrell and Edward Norton. <laughs> right, now that's a movie I'd see. Uh, that would be cool, <laughs> Colin Farrell in a, a Thor film. Uh, I like, do. Colin Farrell is just like a New York cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of voice would Colin Farrell be doing? Hey, you guys, <laughs> like a New York guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I. I do distinctly remember uh, the movies that came out the day that Don't Say a Word came out. Mm-hmm. I uh, mean, uh, the the other one, the other big one, to mm-hmm. me, is what I personally think of when I think of, like, 9-11 movies. I feel like we might be thinking of the same one. Probably. Yeah. Zoolander. Zoolander, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that movie was... Another, both of these movies had to edit out the shots of the Twin the, Towers. The Towers, yeah. Uh, because Don't Say a Word, uh, as I read, opened, uh, the opening credits had the, the Twin Towers in there, and they had to cut it to, they had to change it like, to shots of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, like the Brooklyn Bridge or something yeah, yeah. like that, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, did you see this movie in theaters? I did. I did too. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it uh, in a first-run theater. I saw it at a discount theater, like, probably in late October of that year. Which, and that's, like, another concept yeah, that kind of doesn't exist thing. anymore. I mean, yeah. maybe there's a handful around. Yeah. Um, last I checked, there was one about, what, 30-ish minutes from us? But I don't even know if that's still around now, post-pandemic. I, yeah, I think there is one, but maybe not. Um, but... Yeah, younger listeners probably are like, well, what's a second-run discount theater? Yeah. Uh, Go ahead and break it down for them. Well, I I think one of the reasons they don't exist anymore is because of, uh, like, big, like, multiplexes. Like, because there's, like, huge theaters that can show movies for longer. And also, like, turnarounds from, like, uh, theatrical to home video are a lot shorter. So you don't need to, like, show these movies for longer. But, yeah, like, a discount theater is basically, like, after a movie has been out for, I don't know, like, a a month or however long. I'd say, like, six weeks. Yeah. So, the equivalent kind of exists now, Mm -hmm. um, but it's the streaming. Yeah. So it's, like, uh, like everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm Mm-hmm. I was out for six weeks mm. and then it just made its streaming debut and I guess it did very well mm-hmm. on both. Okay. Like, 
streaming when it first went and then also it did well in theaters yeah so i think that's kind of the new equivalent like yeah some movies go straight to streaming like after a week now but like i think the the best like course of action is to kind of wait Mm -hmm. like they used to with discount theaters so um yeah so like that kind of that kind of dynamic does sort of exist now still but it's sort of yeah been replaced by streaming instead of uh a cheap theater yeah so yeah these these cheap theaters i i think of these theaters most uh i associate them with the austin powers movies because (laughs) i would always see the austin powers movies in theaters and then uh like six weeks later i'd want to see them again so my dad and i would go see them uh at a cheap theater Right. For a dollar. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of some stuff that I've seen. Um, like, I I don't really remember, like, what I saw as a kid in a cheap theater, but mm-hmm. I do remember seeing, like, X-Men Days of Future Past in, like, a cheap theater. Uh-huh. Like, and then falling asleep during... <laughs> during uh, God, there were, like, two comic movies that I saw... Uh, and I remember falling asleep during one of them. Yeah. I don't think it was X-Men. I think it was the other one. But, uh, yeah. And that that, that might have been the last time I went to, like, a, a cheap theater. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think maybe the last one I saw was The Girl on the Train with Emily Blunt. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, and that's the perfect kind of movie to yeah, see one like, of these. Like a movie some... you have zero expectations for. Right. I was just like, all right, how about this one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it costs a couple bucks. Yeah. You know, obviously towards the end, maybe they cost closer to like five bucks or whatever. Yeah. Which is still, still a bargain comparatively, mm-hmm. but... Because uh, I think those places, they made their money with concessions. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true of like a lot of theaters. Probably, right, even like... From what I've heard. Normal yeah. theaters, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is like why they cost so much yeah like you know large soda at a movie theater costs like 10 bucks <laughs> right and that's insane but yeah yet i don't know like i still would pay it most of the time cause, yeah because it's such an essential part of the movie going experience is to yeah. have like a big big cold drink or something yeah. if you know? you're gonna see top gun you gotta get a big ass popcorn that's right yeah uh but yeah, I I didn't see Don't Say a Word on like opening night or opening weekend because I remember this for sure. I saw Zoolander that night with my dad. Mm-hmm. Thought it was hilarious and fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the next day, Saturday, which would have been the 29th, mm-hmm. uh, Travis and I saw Hearts in Atlantis. Oh, very cool. <laughs> very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't see Don't Say a Word opening weekend. And I think that could also be because uh, Travis and I were, how old would we have been? 15? We couldn't go see Don't Say a Word. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw Don't Say a Word with my grandma. Probably uh-huh. like, I don't know, maybe like, not opening weekend. I would imagine probably like six six days after like maybe like on a on like a thursday after school or something like that Mm -hmm. like my grandma probably picked me up from school and we went to the movies it was something like that um Mm -hmm. 
It might have been the last movie I actually saw with my grandma, because my grandma passed away in 2004, but her last couple of years were pretty rough in terms of, like, her mm-hmm. state of mind and stuff, so I don't know. I But I very distinctly remember it being, like, the same as my experience seeing... Um, Along uh, came a spider. Along came a spider. <laughs> I don't know how I pulled that out. Well, yeah, because <laughs> because they both were full of old people, both theaters, mm-hmm. and both theaters smelled so, smelled so much like cigarettes. I distinctly remember yeah. that, that the theater is smelling like cigarettes, and mm-hmm. I hated the smell of cigarettes, especially yeah. as a kid. Um, I still hate the smell of cigarettes. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. Um, I think there's like better smelling ones than others but yeah. like uh yeah I, it it was it was one of those like that that oppressive stale cigarette stench mm-hmm. where like clearly like four people were like yeah. chain smokers at least in this theater so right. it was like very prevalent and uh i i just remember those two theaters being like exactly the same experience yeah for in very similar movies too <laughs> right and i always associate uh, seeing movies with like older audiences um like the theater having a very strong perfume smell like yeah. a very f- strong floral perfume <laughs> about schmidt <laughs> about schmidt for sure yeah uh yeah i mean i think you you and i both saw about schmidt not together but at the same theater yeah and had the, the exact same yeah. experience as we've uh, discussed before yeah a lot of folks of a certain age yeah uh, i we were both the youngest people in the uh, theater by, by a, large a significant margin <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah and the man that that theater was just rolling in the aisles with laughter oh yeah <laughs> for about schmidt in the the like deer in dugu part i uh-huh. remember i just yeah. remember that that like vocal or that line or whatever because yeah. he repeated it. he repeats it a few yeah, times yeah that was like the recurring yeah, yeah i just remember that making people laugh and then yeah. also like the hot tub scene with kathy bates and stuff yeah. like that uh yeah it's funny like like thinking about the movies that like really like got the audiences all worked up and laughing like super hard I forget that about Schmidt is one of those movies yeah. just because I saw it with the like the right demographic the right crowd. Yeah. yeah. If you saw that movie with a bunch of people that were like our age, <laughs> they would have like, like, just been like <laughs> a handful of chuckles. <laughs> yeah. But I saw it with like a bunch of senior citizens and yeah. they thought it was hilarious. I mean, it kind of it, like I, I really liked about Schmidt back then. I, I, I did too. seen it since. I don't yeah. think maybe I've seen it like once since, but like, um, it kind of enhanced it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like seeing a jackass movie in a theater. Yeah. It's like, it just makes it better mm-hmm. when everyone's kind of like collectively having a great yeah. time. So everybody's it's, into it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It is weird to think about About Schmidt being one of those, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and About Schmidt is a 2002 film. So that's right. That's we get a. Yeah, we will get to watch it again. Yeah, but it was a December movie. So <laughs> I've seen uh, a few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> based on our you know our current pace right uh but yeah don't say a word didn't see it in theaters uh or first run theaters rather i pro- yeah i saw like probably i'd say late october maybe early november of 2001 
with my dad and we saw it uh we did like a double feature with that and rush hour two nice and it was my second time seeing rush hour two yeah i i mean i remember rush hour two was like a saturday night movie for me so not opening night but yeah the next day yeah and i remember that theater going experience very well yeah because that came out in august 2001 that was like a mid-august movie yeah Yeah. so around the same time as american pie 2 i believe yeah yeah uh american pie 2 which i would have seen probably opening weekend as well um yeah that i saw opening night yeah. I think we talked about that when we covered oh, so. American Pie 2. Yeah, I forgot I forgot we've already <laughs> already discussed American Pie 2. I was like, oh, all right, we're going to talk about American Pie. And uh, we've already done that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rush Hour 2, I remember that. Yeah. Theatrical experience super well. And I, I definitely saw that at least twice in theaters. Yeah. And the first two Rush Hours, those were movies where the, the crowd was really into it oh especially two because yeah it was already like a known commodity yeah like i think when rush hour one came out a lot of people didn't really know yeah what to expect right and and that was a movie that like word of mouth probably traveled mm-hmm. and people yeah. were like oh you got to see this movie it's so funny or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah so when rush hour two came out that movie was huge like yeah. opening weekend because everyone was excited about it right now here's my question for you <laughs> Why, in the world of the Rush Hour movies, and I've always, like, wondered this, why are Rush Hour, why do the sequels, why are they called Rush Hour? Like, it makes sense why the first movie is called Rush Hour. Right. Because the little girl is kidnapped during Rush Hour. Uh Uh-huh. And it takes place in L.A. Yeah. Famous for having a Rush Hour. But thematically, why why does that title make sense for the whole series? I mean, I, I don't think when they made that, they, <laughs> they knew that it was going to be that yeah. they were going to make like three of them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, with each success <laughs> uh-huh. successive movie, it makes less less sense. sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, especially the third one. I mean, the third one reeks. That movie is awful. The Paris one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Paris. <laughs> That's a different movie. Yeah. But, uh, a movie we can cover, I think, if we want. Yeah. 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 I almost I almost watched that. That's Kiss the Dragon we're talking about, yeah. by the way. I don't want to play too coy. Yeah. Have people like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I always just thought it was weird that the all three movies were called Rush Hour. Right. When the two sequels have nothing to do with traffic or (laughs) anything like that yeah uh but i don't know i guess that's the flaw with the title of the original yeah you're right they didn't probably plan on a big i can't imagine i think it was probably just a bigger hit than yeah new line expected and they were like Mm -hmm. oh we gotta we gotta get these two back together Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then like chris tucker like flew on jeffrey epstein's plane (laughs) the rest is history now he's a born again yeah Maybe they'll do a Rush Hour 4. I can't imagine how bad that would be. Like, if they just randomly made Rush Hour 4 yeah. in, like, 2023 or Pro- something. Probably not with uh, Brett Ratner, though. No, he's been pretty much canceled out of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, justifiably so, <laughs> Yeah, everything I've read. Um, and he was also a hack anyway, though. <laughs> like, like... 
that was one of those things where it was like, a lot of times when someone's like canceled or whatever, people will be like, well, but they were a great artist. And yeah. no, when Brett Radner, nobody was like, well, you got to separate the art from the artist. <laughs> there's no artistry in what no. Brett Radner did. Not that, not that, <laughs> not that like someone being a good artist excuses their awful like personal lives or anything like that. Like I'm, I would never say that like. Right. Like, Woody Allen should be given a pass or anything like that. But, like, yeah, it was just... I I guess I just always thought it was funny that Brett Ratner... Nobody ever had that conversation with Brett Ratner. Right. Like, the way they do with so many other Mm -hmm. Hollywood creeps. Yeah. Um, But we'll get to talk about Ratner when we get to Red Dragon. Red Dragon, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but anyhow, circling back to don't say a word, uh, <laughs> we're already getting lost in the weeds. Getting lost in the, yeah. Uh, this is a movie that is very hard to give, uh, the elevator pitch for. The, like, the one two-sentence synopsis. It's a super stupid premise. It's also incredibly convoluted. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the script of this movie is working very hard. It took me, like, 20 minutes to realize... Or to, like, remember why they killed that old lady. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that old lady who's, like, preparing herself, like, mm-hmm. a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they just, like, break into her apartment and then they kill her. <laughs> and then and then eventually they show her dead body again. And I was uh-huh. like, wait, why did they kill that lady again? And I'm like, oh, right, because she had the apartment across the street or yeah. whatever so they could spy on uh, the con. Was it across the street or was it, like, upstairs? I thought it was across the street, okay. so they could, like, telescope okay. in or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, they killed the lady to take her apartment mm-hmm. to spy on Michael Douglas's apartment because he's the psychiatrist who they want to get to get the... They want him to get the number, <laughs> this mysterious number... <laughs> from... From... Brittany Murphy's Brittany head. Murphy's head. I was trying to, like... I was going to, like, go through the whole thing... <laughs> Of well, this plot. okay, and then also, how did they arrive on him, for one? How did they arrive on Nathan Conrad, <laughs> Nathan Conrad. to do this? But then yeah. also, what are the odds that he had just met her for the first time the day before? Did I they think, explain that? I think they explain it because, I know we're, we're jumping ahead, uh, but I think that they know that because they got Oliver Platt in on it. Oh, I don't because remember they, Oliver Platt being in on it. Well, he wasn't like in on it because he wanted to be on it. They forced him to be yeah, on it, be- okay, right. in on it yes. because they kidnapped his girlfriend. Right. So, but, how deep the rabbit hole goes? <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, if you're the if you're these kidnappers, <laughs> like this is insanely convoluted for you too because yeah. you've kidnapped. This guy, this one psychiatrist's <laughs> girlfriend, so that you could then kidnap this other psychiatrist's daughter yeah. uh-huh. and then force him to go, like, extract a, a number <laughs> from a very troubled girl's head. Yeah. The the plot is too complicated. It's, it's too complicated for what this movie yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It could be a lot more straightforward. Like, I thinking back now, I can imagine a lot of, like older people in the crowd being like what is happening in this movie? yeah and it's not even like super confusing it's just like why do we need all this plot 
Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It's this this movie's based on a book, right? And then the yeah. guy like adapted it himself, right? The screenplay. Uh, so I guess we can maybe try to explain it in a as quickly as possible. So it 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 starts out in 1991, mm-hmm. right? With a a bank heist. Mm-hmm. Sean Bean has a a, a gang of of uh, thieves and they go rob this bank sean bean playing the exact same character that he <laughs> would later play in national treasure by yeah the way, which is just kind of how i imagine sean bean i think in his day-to-day life right it's how he is in both of those movies just like a a criminal just trying to get some treasure <laughs> yeah it's the same thing he's like forcing someone else to, to yeah. like figure out how he can get his his uh, treasure <laughs> right uh, yeah so this band of criminals uh rob a bank to uh basically steal this uh this gem that's locked in a safe deposit box mm-hmm. uh but uh after the you know the heist is a success one of the crew members uh double crosses sean bean Mm -hmm. and escapes with the the gem Mm -hmm. uh and that's like the the prologue basically that takes place in 1991 because it's 10 years prior to you know the rest of the movie which is 2001 Mm -hmm. um and then that's all you know, and then it jumps ahead. You know what's weird to think about? Yeah, what? <laughs> I mean, not to go back to the 9-11 stuff, but mm-hmm. this movie takes place, like, on and around <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah. 2001. <laughs> so this is a movie where 9-11 has happened, but no yeah. one acknowledges it right. at all because it was all shot and intended to not yeah. exist in the 9-11 world. Yeah, it was, no- <laughs> yeah, it was November of 2001. <laughs> that's, that's so right. weird. <laughs> yeah. They just, like, don't show the Twin Towers, and yeah. that's the only real way that 9-11, 9/11 was acknowledged. Like, yeah. Like, I don't even remember, like... Did the, like, Macy's Thanksgiving parade just happen that year? Ah, that's a great question. It Um, might not have. Yeah. I mean, maybe it did, just with, like, higher-level security. But, like, again, like, it's one of those things where if, like, you weren't really around then, like, Uh if you were too young, maybe even, to remember, like, you might not realize what it was actually like in those, like, first few months after Mm 9-11. So, like... I could totally see a world where the Macy's Thanksgiving parade, like, didn't happen. But maybe it did. Yeah. Well, I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. According to... What is this site? Macy's Thanksgiving.fandom.com. Very cool. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a moderator there. Uh, it did happen. Okay. And it was the 75th annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I mean, okay. It happened on November 22nd. I would imagine it probably had a lot of, like, forced patriotism in it. Uh, yeah, I don't really rem- remember it. Well, I never... Why would I watch the <laughs> Macy's Thanksgiving I mean, I, would, I wouldn't have at, like, age, like, 14. But, like, maybe a few years before I would have. But, but in, in 2001, I probably would not have watched the Macy's right. Parade. But I, I bring up the Macy's Parade because, like, that's part of the plot. 
Yes. He's supposed to take his daughter on Thanksgiving Day yeah. to the parade. Yeah. Um, and then that's when they figure out that she's missing. But anyway, yeah. we can we can we can backtrack. Yeah. So after yeah. the after I, the I was just gonna real quick. Yeah. If sure. we want to talk a little bit more about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade, uh, do you want to know what some of the uh, the new giant floats were? Yeah. For that, I do that uh, parade. Uh, I guess there was a big Curious George. Okay. A big Pikachu. Okay. A big Jimmy Neutron. Okay, definitely, definitely of the time. Then. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a big Cheezosaurus Rex, which I, I guess was a craft macaroni and cheese. Oh, uh, uh, like a shape. Yeah. For one of the noodles. I, I don't know. I guess I could click on it and find out what it is. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, here it is. So I turn my computer a... around. Okay. So the big dinosaur. <laughs> okay, so it was the mascot then for like mac and cheese bosses, yeah. I would assume. Right. It's okay. a big dinosaur that looks uh, yellow and cheesy. Uh, that's not something I ever would have known because mac and cheese is, uh, I guess. I mean, if you know me, notoriously my least favorite food of all time. So, yeah. Uh, uh, that's not something I ever would have <laughs> fucked around with back then. Uh, right. So, yeah, the the Thanksgiving Day parade does play a big part in this movie, but I guess we should back it up a little bit. Um, so, it opens with this bank heist. One of the criminals, Double Cross, is Sean Bean, steals this precious stone. Um... <laughs> It jumps uh, ahead 10 years and uh, basically, in short, actually, it's really hard to say anything in short about this movie yeah, because it's no, so this, complicated. This movie is way too complicated. Uh, basically, Sean Bean uh, comes up with this elaborate plan to get information about the stone's whereabouts from the one person who who knows where the stone is who is a uh, a a young girl in a psychiatric facility right by forcing a r- random child psychologist or child psychiatrist to get that information from her mhm <laughs> and now, what is the... Con- I don't remember the connection. Brittany Murphy, is that the daughter of the it, guy? Yeah, so the the person that we're talking about that knows the the whereabouts of the the stone is the daughter of the thief that double-crossed Sean Bean. Right, and she uh, may have stabbed him or something? Uh, I th- Wasn't there something like, oh, she, was, she, she had never done any violence, and then three days ago she... Well... So I guess what we know about her character is that she's been kind of in and out of, yeah. um, you know, psychiatric hospitals. But I also think later it was clarified that she was uh, kind of feigning, like that she was faking some of these symptoms to hide in these hospitals from Sean Bean and his crew because he knew that they were going to be like after her right 
because that's right. Ten years after you know the events of the prologue, uh, they they are out of prison because they got arrested somewhere in the you know the meantime. Mm. Uh, Patrick Coaster. Patrick Coaster is the name of <laughs> Sean Bean's character. It's insane, by the way, that we're having so much trouble talking about the plot of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and also we're not we're, we're like ten minutes in at this point. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is the most complicated stuff. Yeah, like uh, so basically, yeah they uh, they come up with this plan that involves kidnapping the the dot the daughter of the psychiatrist, who's Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. uh, to. Uh, basically get him to extract the information from Brittany Murphy of the stone's whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like a whole, like three other plot lines in this movie that are totally unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can get to those, but so basically we, once we get past the prologue, we get to the the Michael Douglas stuff, and we s- learn that he's like a private practice child psychiatrist. Yeah, there's that weird scene where he's like talking about like jacking off with that like teenage uh, boy. Yeah, um, which that's <laughs> coming out of my mouth. That sounds worse than it is in the movie. Uh, but it's just like a kid gets in trouble. I think for like for touching himself or something. Yeah, and then um, Michael Douglas is like off the record. We all do it, yeah. and then he just like. <laughs> talks about how masturbation is normal but it's it's just kind of a weird scene especially a weird like introduction to the character yeah uh but i guess that helps the viewers understand that he's good with uh young people i guess yeah i mean they i don't know if that's that was my takeaway from that scene <laughs> but they also say again later that like oh you're renowned for having success with like mm-hmm. children or something like that right. like he's so I, I mean I guess that's the reason <laughs> yeah. why he's the one yeah. that um And there's another uh yeah, there's another weird line later where Oliver Platt says that uh, he's like Come on, you got the magic touch with teens yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um don't say that. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. Uh if if you're listening to this to understand this movie, you're probably very confused because we're jumping all over the place. But well, I mean, kind of. We're kind of jumping all over. I mean, yeah. we're kind of jumping around at the way the movie does. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, he's a he's a child psychologist, maybe specifically, or at least that's his area of expertise. Yeah. And he's pretty well regarded. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah, because. Yeah. He used to work at the psych facility that Oliver Platt works at, I believe. Right. And then they kind of make jokes about him moving uptown or whatever, yeah. where he establishes like a His private own practice, private and like practice. a nice office yeah. and yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, so pretty early on in the movie, his, you know, former colleague, Oliver Platt, Dr. Sachs, mm-hmm. uh, calls him up and invites him to help him with a uh, you know, a patient that he's working with. And later on, we learn that he's got ulterior motives for that, but um, uh, he basically needs help getting the patient to like, talk to him. Like, communicate. Yeah, yeah. They just communicate. Uh, she, um, she just kind of like sits dead eyed. 
Um, yeah, she talking or she doesn't sleep. They give her a lot of meds and mm-hmm. she just kind of sits there with her eyes open. Yeah, like everybody's under the impression that she's like catatonic or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but Michael Douglas catches right away that she's faking it, right? Yeah. Because he's got like... some trick that I'm sure isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I doubt that this movie like deftly handles like presentation of like mental illness in any kind of way yeah probably not uh, i mean i mean i guess we're all kind of mentally ill in our own ways but like (laughs) i mean at least from my knowledge that none of none nothing in this movie seemed like how any of it would work but i (laughs) i I don't know exactly yeah but um uh yeah so oliver platt needs help communicating with this patient who is played by Brittany murphy yeah, and so this is this is after he had talked to his wife, who's played by Fomka Johnson, yeah, Jansen, uh, who is twenty years younger than him in this right. movie, uh, yeah. which is funny because she's still five years older than his real life wife, uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, yeah. at the time. Are they still married? I think so, but I for some reason don't I thought know. they had split, but like yeah. Maybe that was just like a long-standing rumor. I'm not sure about them. Sometimes I'm not super on top of that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, no, they're still married. Um, they've been married since 2000. But yeah, Catherine Zeta Jones is 25 years younger than Michael Douglas. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so she had asked him to like pick up a turkey because the next day is Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, you got it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's Michael Douglas voice, which, yeah, which I maintain is one of the all time great cinema voices. Michael Douglas. Uh, yeah. Voice. I think I'll like get into this later, but I think the only reason this movie has like any kind of charm is because of Michael Douglas. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> a little Douglas goes a long way. Yeah. For this I mean, movie. because like, at its best, this movie reminds you of, like, the game. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it never which even is, comes close. Which I think is one of, if not the best thriller from the 90s. Yeah, it did certain, it's an excellent, excellent thriller from the 90s, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that brings up another tangent I want to talk about uh-huh. sometime on this show, but I think the 90s is my favorite decade for movies, <laughs> and I think that's partially because of our age and when we grew up and yeah. stuff, but like, yeah, man, I love the 90s uh, <laughs> movies, yeah, 90s movies, anyway, um, uh, so yeah, but I mean, like, when this movie works, which is not very often, um, it, it does kind of remind you of, like, a much worse version of the game. Yeah. Because um, the like the movie doesn't generate a whole lot of suspense no, on its own. No, but I would say Michael Douglas is a good guy to watch be stressed out. Yeah, if if there's any like you know if you feel anxious at all, it's because of the energy he brings to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got that kind of like irritated yuppie yeah energy exactly. that works really well yeah. in like the game, for uh-huh. instance. Um, but I mean, like when this movie is like at its most competent, again, which is not something that I think that happens all that often. Although I mean, it's whatever, it's watchable. But um, I mean, that's that's when it's at its best is when Michael Douglas is like sort of like a put upon rich guy that right. has to try and deal with some shit. Yeah, like the scene where he um, 
stabs uh, Lance Reddick yeah. with the uh, uh, that like uh, um, the needle, the needle yeah. full of like sodium, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, like that's a good scene. I guess. Yeah, I think that is like what most of this movie needed to be, like yeah. that kind of stuff, like forcing him to break the law or be, you know, tested in some way like to that. Go into action. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it is just kind of like him like shuffling Brittany Murphy around. He's like, well, do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's like, who cares? Like, like it, yeah. It turns into like not a very good chase movie. Yeah. Uh, a pretty bad chase movie. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, just getting back to talking about how Michael Douglas is good in these kinds of movies. I mm-hmm. pulled up uh, uh, Ebert's review of this. Uh-huh. and uh, He liked it, didn't he? He gave it two and a half stars. Okay, so, so he, he was close was right. to liking it. Yeah, but uh, he said something about uh, Michael Douglas that I pretty much agree with. Uh, so he just says, he's you know he starts off by saying, "Oh, this movie's not good," but he's like, "But I also have a sneaky affection for Douglas thrillers, where he starts out as a sleek, rich businessman and ends up with an axe in his hand." Who else can start out so well-groomed and end up as such a mad dog? Yeah. I think that pretty much nails it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I when I think of my favorite Douglas performances, mm-hmm. generally, I mean, that's, yeah. that's like the kind of energy that he has. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's uh, yeah. well-observed by mm-hmm. Roger Ebert, who <laughs> certainly had his... Has certainly had his fill of of good movie observations. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Otherwise, this movie is like we've already said, way more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, so, so all right. So <laughs> Oliver Platt convinces him to come down, start talking to Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Who Brittany Murphy is? I mean, Brittany Murphy is the co-lead i guess in this movie yeah basically um so kind of like where is this in britney murphy's career so she's uh, on king of the hill right at this time right yeah she's in king of the hill through um, the mid to late 90s to I, i'm not sure when king of the hill ended uh yeah i don't know actually um so like I'm gonna look at her filmography here. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think she had Clueless. In most 95. people, most people yeah. saw her for the first time in Clueless. Yeah, she was in a couple like um, kind of like indie movies, like Freeway. Yeah, '96. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do you remember that movie Bong Water? I yeah, never saw it. I I've never seen it either, but I do remember. Yeah, like seeing the VHS Luke Wilson with and Luke Wilson, Jack yeah. Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she's in that other drive, the one with, like, Mark Dacascos, which uh, has gotten a lot of, like, Blu-ray and 4K reissues recently. Uh, yes, I uh, I have it. Oh, do you? <laughs> I do, you, on you Blu-ray. It up. Okay. Yeah, MVD put it out, but I've never watched it. I was yeah. going to select it for a movie night. Yeah, so, like, a couple of cult things there, um, obviously... Clueless is her hit uh, in 95, and that's where people start to take notice of her. Um, I would say really not until, like, 99 is she kind of, like, moving up yeah. in the, the in Hollywood. Because 99, she does Drop Dead Gorgeous, mm-hmm. um, which that movie wasn't a big hit, but it, it's another 
cult following yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and then she did Girl Interrupted, which yeah. was kind of like, that was like an Oscar play kind of movie, yeah. right, at the yeah. time. Which, um, and now I'm wondering if the reason she was cast in this movie is because of that movie. Probably, yeah. That's another... and she And so in this movie, she's doing kind of like a, an exaggerated i mean and we we find out why but like yeah. she's doing like an exaggerated oh i'm crazy yeah sort like of thing a, yeah um, like a ptsd mm-hmm. uh, yeah and uh, and she has the movie's like signature line she does which was yeah. a huge part of the marketing in yeah. fact like i think like it's the one thing that anybody remembers this movie yeah. for, and that's when she says, I'll never tell. But yeah. she, just, she says it in like a kind of like a sing songy yeah. voice. I'll which, never tell. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and, and, and like if this movie were even half better, like uh-huh. even just a little bit better than it is, yeah. that probably would have been like one of those like kind of like movie montage yeah. at the Oscar kind of like things like right. even if it's not like a super memorable movie but the movie is not even like good enough to get yeah. it in that category but like yeah i was watching this with uh, my wife and she, we that part came up and she looked at me and she was like now what what uh, what movie is that line from and i'm like what do you mean and she's like, the I'll never tell line. Like, what was the first movie to use that line? I'm like, well, it's this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's from the, this movie. It's the movie's only legacy, really, of any Yeah, time. and she's yeah. like, it's that line is from this movie that I, like, don't remember at all? And I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. this movie. Yeah, because it was a huge part of the trailers yeah. and the commercials mm-hmm. on TV. Um, and it's really the only thing I remember about those trailers and yeah. stuff. Um. And so that's in this scene. That's in the first scene where they meet. Yes. Right? Uh, it might be... No. It's Is after it she second? starts talking. Because the first time they meet, she okay. doesn't talk, if I remember right. That's right. Okay. Because uh, he meets her, and then... Uh, the next day. <laughs> and then the next day... Which is Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. He realizes that his daughter's been kidnapped, and he gets he goes informed by Sean Bean what he has to do in a very short amount of time yeah so okay so that's scene two i mean and in this scene also like in that scene rather she like she's like touching her boobs and she's like you want to touch and she's like she's like going through kind of like this like quasi joker i'm crazy game <laughs> that it, it's not very good but i mean i guess it's, it's more probably excusable. in the script. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And I, I don't even think she's bad in the movie. I think she's all right in the movie. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sort of more excusable because... Uh, because the movie is asking her to fake it. So she... Yeah. To a degree, We know, least. like, we know, based on what Sean Bean says later on, that she is faking some of her... Right. Like once PTSD. Once Michael Douglas kind of sees through like her facade, mm-hmm. she's a lot better, I think, in the movie. Like yeah. once she's just doing someone who actually does have yeah some mental illnesses, but not like to the performative degree that she yeah. was doing. Right. Um, so okay, so 
so uh, Oliver Platt takes Michael Douglas to see Brittany Murphy, and we don't really know why, just because all we know is that he says he needs help, mm-hmm. you know, working with her, and he meets her, and he sees right away that she is kind of faking some of it, and then that scene ends, and then it jumps to the next day, which is Thanksgiving, and that's when his daughter is kidnapped. Right. And he gets called by Sean Bean, and he's like, listen up, can you do Sean Bean? <laughs> uh, yeah, let me try. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> well, I was going to try, but I can't do it. Listen up. Listen up, Michael. No, I can't really do it. Um, <laughs> listen up, Michael. Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah, listen up, Michael Douglas. Uh, hey, Nathan. Hey, Nathan. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could, I could probably do some like National Treasure lines if uh-huh. I really had to think about it, but no, I, I can't really do a Sean game. Uh, so he basically sets up the rules of the movie. Like he, he needs Michael Douglas to get a number from Brittany Murphy. Uh, and at this point, the audience doesn't know what the number is or what it, if you know, the significance of the number. He just has to get it from Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, Sean Bean's going to kill Michael Douglas's daughter. Right. And he uh, has to do it in one day, correct? On Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, yeah. Which is a, a fact about this movie I completely forgot about. I do not remember this movie being like a Thanksgiving <laughs> A Thanksgiving movie. movie. I mean, you could technically watch this at Thanksgiving, or if you're <laughs> yeah. looking for like a a list of Thanksgiving movies. This might not be on some of them, and it <laughs> technically should be. Um, yeah. uh, one thing we should talk about, uh-huh. uh, which is Michael Douglas's wife, Fonka uh-huh. Jansen, yes. um, is laid up in bed yeah. with a broken leg. She. <laughs> and this you... movie isn't complicated enough. She had a skiing accident, right? Yeah, yeah. And so she can't... She's bedridden. She's bedridden. And you think the movie's gonna, like, do some, like, rear window stuff, and it doesn't... It kind of does. it kind of does, I guess. Yeah, and that's another thing. Why do we need all the stuff with Fomka Jensen where she is trying to... Where she's piecing things together, and she figures out that she's being watched, but she can't move because she's got the cast. Right. Like, that's a whole other subplot of this movie that we don't need. No, we don't need yeah. it at all. Like, I mean, you could have made Michael Douglas, like, a single dad or something. And, yeah. And, like... Yeah. Not, I mean... Or, or maybe have her kidnapped, too? Yeah. I, I mean, I know that's, or just like... killed. Yeah, or killed. maybe provide a little more, like, weight <laughs> yeah. behind everything. Yeah. Because... Um, I the... mean, not that, not that the, the, like, dead wife who's murdered <laughs> isn't, like, a... a yeah, like played enough, out, but like, but I think it would just help make the movie a little tighter. Yeah, uh, I mean, just because you you can't totally abandon that character, mm-hmm. like you like you need yeah. to acknowledge that character still exists, right? But the what they ask of that character to yeah. do is not necessary, like really, <laughs> like because I mean the the one scene I kind of remember is when the housekeeper, who's an Italian woman, yeah, um comes and mm. they're they are they want her to get rid of the housekeeper they want her to leave yeah sean bean uh like who's monitoring the the apartment says like get rid of the housekeeper she can't be here mm-hmm. yeah uh and she the housekeeper doesn't speak english right uh no yeah 
So I don't know how that works, considering <laughs> Famke Jansen doesn't really appear to speak very good Italian. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and that, that's another, I mean, like, why is that character Italian? I mean, <laughs> like, why did that character even have to not speak English? What, like, I, I mean, I, I guess to... I guess, like, from a suspense, or from a, um, like, just to make it more complicated, maybe, to not have her speak English. Right. But uh, this movie's already complicated enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess you just would think, though, that, like, considering she probably took a lot of care of their kid yeah that you would want someone who could actually effectively communicate with yeah. the child in some way and uh-huh. so unless the kid speaks italian right uh i don't know i, I mean that, none of that matters <laughs> but, but it was just it was just a strange yeah but the the whole subplot with you know fomka jensen being bedridden is very like unneeded but yeah. not the most unneeded, not the most unnecessary subplot <laughs> in this movie. Okay. Because the most unnecessary subplot in the movie is the Jennifer Esposito stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And every time they cut to her, it, I mean, and I, I, I was not watching this movie like super engrossed, uh-huh. <laughs> but I, every time they cut to Jennifer Esposito, I'm just like, well, where's my phone? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, because <laughs> <and, laughs> so, it, it just doesn't need to be there. So Jennifer Esposito plays a detective that's like pretty unrelated to the main action of the movie. She's just like kind of on the sidelines, uh, picking up on what's going on. Why do we need that? We don't. We don't need it. Uh, we need it for the very end when she shoots like Sean Bean. Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess we need somebody to shoot Sean. Well, no, nobody shoots Sean Bean. She saves the day. Somehow, she she right? does kind of save the day, but yeah, yeah. that's well, not like, how Sean Bean. You could have just had Michael Douglas somehow prevail yeah. on his own, or or the wife. Yeah. Imagine her like hobbling in with mm-hmm. like a gun or whatever, yeah. and, and being super unexpected but heroic, right? Like, I don't know where I don't know where the Jennifer Esposito yeah. character really factors in. No, it's very unnecessary, and I think I read that it was not in the original draft of the script that it got added later for some reason. Okay. Um, but I think if this movie works well or works better, uh, it would have to take a more like real time approach where you're just with like Michael Douglas the whole time. Mm-hmm. Kind of like 88 Minutes, which is not a good example because that's a terrible film. But uh, You know what? You got to be more like 88 Minutes. <laughs> but I think if, yeah, if you're with the Michael Douglas character for the whole movie, I think that is a little more suspenseful and, you know, might have more of the energy they're going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, and... and and two in 2001 like because when did 24 start we've talked about this i think even before on this show uh 2001 okay so what it it came out a couple months before 9-11 right no it was i think supposed to start that september but got pushed back a month or two Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, 24 probably started after Don't Say a Word came out. November 6th. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I guess that kind of shows what this movie could have done, which is... Yeah. 
really anything to ratchet up the tension more than it is yeah at least take out one subplot yeah and then it it cuts back to the kidnappers i think way too often like Mm -hmm. uh like the other uh like crew member kind of like bond quasi bonding bonding. with the little girl yeah yeah Yeah, it's like like asking him if he likes country music sure yeah (laughs) it's like why is this stuff in here yeah yeah. I mean, because we don't need any kind of reason to root for the kid to get say, or rescued. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's already our primary motivation right. for the movie. You don't need to, like, endear us to the kid. Yeah. Like, we're already on board with the basic premise. Yeah. So it, it makes no sense. Yeah. It should strictly just be, like, race against time movie, not, mm-hmm. like... And there, there are scenes, I mean, uh-huh. not great scenes, but there uh-huh. are scenes where you're like, okay, I can see the bones of something all right here. Yeah. Like him, like, driving through the parade and having to convince uh, the cops yeah. that he needs an escort and stuff like that. Right. That stuff's kind of what I want from this movie. Yeah, like him being forced to do things that he doesn't want to do, but has to do. Right. Like where and he... Again, stabbing Lance stab, Reddick. Stabbing Lance Reddick. Yeah. yeah. Very young Lance Reddick. Yeah. He looks young. Uh, one year before The Wire, right? Yeah. 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 Love Lance Reddick. Mm-hmm. Big Great. Lance Reddick. Speaking of great voices. He's an, he's another one of my all-time favorite uh, movie voices. Yeah. Um, well, and TV voices, because mm-hmm. as uh, you know, I'm a big Bosch, Bosch boy. Yeah. Uh, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually just finished... The, the most recent season of Bosch. Bosch Legacy? Bosch Legacy, yeah. Bosch nice. is a private detective. No Lance Reddick <laughs> on that season, though, oh, man. which is kind of a bummer. But Are there any cool character actors on Bosch Legacy? I'm uh, sure there are. William Devane. Oh, yeah, nice. William Devane's yeah. a recurring character in this season. Um, there's, yeah, I mean, every, every season has, like, one or two good character actors. So yeah. if you're... Uh, if you're like us and you appreciate that <laughs> that kind of shit, like it's it's a good show for that. Yeah. Um. So, as far as the plot goes, like, where are we? Like, so Sean Bean tells him what he's got to do. He's got to get this number from Brittany Murphy, and he tries. And that's where the big line is delivered, no, where she's tell. like, "I'll never tell." Yeah. Any of you. That's what she said. I'll never yeah. tell any of you. Yeah. Uh, but it was shortened to just, I'll never tell. Yeah, in yeah. The in the trailer, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, for, like, the first hour, like, it's a lot of cross-cutting. Like, it, it's Michael Douglas in the psych hospital talking to her, and then it would cut back to Fonka Jansen, and then it would cut to Jennifer Esposito, you know, trying to, pee, like, solve the, the case from her end. Uh, and then it's not till like the probably like a little over an hour in, right, where we figure out that Oliver Platt is involved. Right. Yeah. Um, Even though I think that's kind of obvious from the minute you see Oliver uh, Platt. Yeah, I mean, considering what other motivation would he have for yeah immediately getting Michael Douglas involved right mm-hmm. before this is all about to go down? Like that would just be too coincidental. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like what an hour into it, that's where we learn that Oliver Platt 
uh, has his reasons for being involved in this and bringing Michael Douglas in to, you know, interrogate Brittany Murphy because his girlfriend has been kidnapped by the kidnappers or by Sean Bean and his crew. Right. And then and they, they kill her, right? And then they and kill... And that's kind of where Jennifer Esposito yeah. factors in. So they, I guess they tell Oliver Platt, like, all right, well, if you get Michael Douglas to... <laughs> if, okay, psychiatrist, if you get this other psychiatrist to get the info from Brittany what Murphy... A, what a shitty feeling to have yeah. your girlfriend kidnapped and they'll be like, okay, but we want you to get another guy. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm not good enough? <laughs> so you're kidnapping my girlfriend just to get me to get someone else? Yeah, like... Will will spare your your girlfriend's life if you get this other shrink to do this thing, uh, but then they kill her anyway, right? Uh, unbeknownst which, to Oliver Platt, yeah, which doesn't really bode well for Michael Douglas. No, yeah, uh, and then Jennifer Esposito, the homicide detective, she's on, like she finds Oliver Platt's girlfriend dead, like washed up in the. Like by the Brooklyn Bridge, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, they like fish her out of the water. Yeah. Uh, so she's onto that case, working it from that angle. Jennifer Esposito, who is in what I'm venturing a guess might be the worst movie of 2002 that we will ever talk about. On uh, this yeah, show. we'll we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, not this movie. No, 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 no. Like in a 2002 movie. Yeah. She's she's in uh, Master of Disguise, yep. which. Uh, not we haven't talked about yet, um, and it's not currently the worst movie of 2002 uh, as for where we are yeah. on Odyssey, but I think will be uh, a, contender. a heavy favorite. Yeah, heavy favorite. For yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Not to get not to get too <laughs> lost in future future <laughs> podcast episodes, but uh, right. I just thought I would mention that because it's not going to be the last time we talk about Jennifer Esposito on no. this podcast. Uh, what was what was Jennifer Esposito doing around this time? She was on what sitcom? Uh, I don't know. Cause I uh, Spin City. I was gonna say Spin City. Yeah. Okay. Spin City, which I did kind of watch when I was a little kid. So I I um I didn't really know Jennifer Esposito like because I'm looking at her filmography and. Uh, this would have been the first movie of hers that I saw like, okay. as of, you know, as of that time. Like, yeah. Uh, and then the next movie that I saw would have been Master of Disguise. Okay. So uh, she was also in like Welcome to Collinwood, um, which is a movie I saw a little bit later. But yeah. Um, and then she was in some stuff that before this that I've seen like since. Uh-huh. But at the time I had not seen. So. Gotcha. Cause she was in like he got game the spike lee movie uh-huh. uh, i still know what you did last summer summer mm-hmm. of sam so she she worked with spike lee a few times yeah and she was on spin city from 96 to 99 okay yeah yeah i didn't really watch uh spin city very much so uh yeah for some reason i thought that was a show that was on for a lot longer because i thought it was a little i thought it was like a pretty beloved show well, 90, okay, so it was on from 96 to 2002. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think Charlie Sheen took over at some point for Michael Douglas or Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely never saw the Charlie Sheen any of the Charlie Sheen episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Michael Douglas was on for like three or four years or something like that. Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Man, now you got me messed up. <laughs> We're talking about too many Michaels. Too many Michaels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, that's where uh, I knew Jennifer Esposito from. Okay. Uh, but yeah, her character in this totally unnecessary. Completely. Um, yeah. Because you don't <laughs> you, like the the subplot about Oliver Platt's girlfriend <laughs> being killed mm-hmm. is uh, presented in such a like a sort of unnecessary way that you don't yeah. feel any kind of emotional connection you're not like oh i need the killer brought to justice yeah and that's what she's there for she's mm-hmm. there to solve the murder of the girlfriend which is right. how she gets involved in this yeah um but you aren't ever like oh i need to know who did that because we mm-hmm. know who did it it's yeah it's sean bean who right. is the still the only bad guy in the movie yeah. you know? like i don't think this movie needed to be padded out as long like i think it's uh what is it's like it? an hour and 45 yeah and it could be like a as we always say a tight 90 i mean and, and for this genre especially yeah like if you're not gonna like i don't know like if, if, this movie doesn't go big really like with its stakes ever mm-hmm. because it's all focused on the like precious stone and <laughs> Michael Douglas's kid. Yeah. It's not like it's not like Sean Bean like takes a bunch of people hostage like no. at the parade yeah. or anything. Like it's not a big right. terrorist situation. It's a Yeah. I mean not that <laughs> not to like make it seem like the, the Michael Douglas's family situation doesn't matter, yeah. but it's like it's a very small focused thing. Yeah. So it it could have been Which, a much more focused yeah. movie which i think is w- why it would work better if it was more like claustrophobic and more like just following michael douglas maybe even in like real time mm-hmm. like he figures out the like the oliver platt uh you know twist like his character's motivation just from oliver platt like on the spot well and not to compare it again to the game but like that's what makes the game so good is mm-hmm. that it's singularly focused on Michael Douglas basically yeah. the entire time. Uh-huh. And a lot of the stuff that he's afraid of or thinks is happening yeah. might not even actually be happening. Like it's a movie about like his fears and like yeah. exploit, you know, how they're exploiting uh-huh. them. So like this movie could have, I mean, just rip off the game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It probably would have been a better movie. Um, but just like, I don't know. Uh, you could have just had suggestions of other mm-hmm. things happening, like with his wife, like him not being able to get in touch with his wife, yeah, while still trying to figure out this mystery. I don't mm-hmm. know, like, or maybe even if you just like when he's talking with Sean Bean, like if you just hear Sean Bean's uh, voice, kind of like Keith or Sutherland in Phone Booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and one of the trivia facts on uh-huh. IMDb, I don't know if you read this, was that like. Sean Bean was actually on the cell phone with oh, okay. Michael Douglas and Famke Jansen yeah. for those scenes where uh-huh. they were on cell phones yeah. with him. Um, 
And so, like, yeah, you could have had, like, tight shots of, like, his mouth or whatever, you know, just speaking <laughs> into the phone and just hear yeah. this kind of, like, menacing Englishman yeah. or whatever. Or shadowy figure on the yeah. phone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe the only issue with that is that if they ever did reveal it, most Americans would have been like, who's that guy? <laughs> oh, it's 006. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Trevathan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I think they're, like, like whenever you cut away from Michael Douglas, like, any kind of momentum or tension is instantly deflated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so he, he's he got to do what he's got to do with Brittany Murphy, which is break her out of the uh, psych hospital, which involves him stabbing lance Red- lance reddick with the uh the needle yeah um um and then from then on it's like a chase movie yeah and that's where it kind of gets worse it gets even more uninteresting right yeah because yeah. it's like him taking Brittany murphy various places trying to like jog her memory right? yeah because even though her character was faking the PTSD to some degree. Yeah, she wasn't 100% faking it. She wasn't 100% faking it because, as we learn later, she saw her father murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she did, like, repress some of those memories. So she... K- kind of... has the information that Sean Bean's looking for, but it has to be, like, like you said, like, jogged loose. Yeah, unlocked. Yeah. Um, which only Nathan Conrad can do. The great Nathan Conrad. He's got the teen touch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about about, this. This is not related to the plot, but uh, let's talk about Michael Douglas's makeup in this movie. Did you notice that at all? Uh, I guess I didn't, no. He looked like a clown at times (laughs) during this movie. No, I I didn't really notice. I have never noticed... Um, and it was mostly in certain lighting. Yeah. Like, there were times where it looked fine, but there were other times where I could tell that Michael Douglas had makeup, like, like absolutely caked on. When he was out in daylight, you mean? Yeah, like especially out. Okay. when they're out and about. Yeah. And, like, driving scenes and okay. stuff. Um, yeah, he, I mean, I don't know if they were, they were, I, I'm wondering if maybe the character was supposed to be a few years younger than he is. Given Maybe. the age of Famke Jansen. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they were trying to make him look younger or if it was just maybe uh, the way makeup used to be in an, Maybe. in an era before HD at home, yeah. something like that. But it... <laughs> yeah, we both watched I, this on Stars, probably, right? Yeah. Stars HD. Yeah, it was in HD. I mean, not the highest quality. It wasn't even Blu-ray quality, really. Mm-hmm. It was still HD, but, like, yeah, I just noticed... It, 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 I found it very distracting yeah. how bad uh, and over-the-top his makeup on. Because yeah. there were times where I was like, why does he look like a clown or something? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think the uh, the second half of this movie I watched uh, on a different day than I watched the f- the first half, and mm-hmm. I think that time I was like watching in the afternoon when I might have been folding laundry or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 
so maybe I wasn't paying attention to his makeup job. Right. But, uh, yeah, I could believe it. Okay. So, they have to find Mishka, right? Which is the doll. That's like where... There's something involving the doll. I know Yeah. That. So, so, Sean Bean knows the significance of the number. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't know the, the number. Uh, and Brittany Murphy knows the number, but not the significance. Is that right? Like, yeah, basically. Yeah. I think she, so. she knows the number, but not what it means. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This, why is this movie so complicated? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it, this movie kind of zooms through stuff here towards the end. Like, yeah. Not, and I say zooms, like it's not like it, it it's fast mm-hmm. but i would say most of the movies like uh i don't know most of the movies interest sort of was in the 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 setup yeah and and once once they get to the actual like scenes of like Brittany murphy like trying to remember yeah and him taking her places it goes Somewhat quickly, I would say. Yeah, it kind of moves through it anyway. It, it maybe it's not quick, but it's it doesn't yeah. linger on anything right. too long. Like once we kind of get like what exactly Sean Bean wants, it kind of starts to move along. Right. Uh, because I guess we ultimately we learn that the number that he wants. I guess we could spoil it here. Is the. Uh, <laughs> grave number of uh-huh. Brittany Murphy's father uh-huh. which is on Hart's Island Hart Island or yeah. Hart Island yeah yeah which uh, is I said Hart's because I was thinking Hart's War Hart's War <laughs> uh, Hart, Hart Island yeah Hart Island is an island uh, um, in near the Bronx. Near the Bronx. Near the Bronx. I'm not. We're from. Familiar. We're from Long Beach, yeah, California. We're, we're, we're California surfer dudes. We're not. Uh, <laughs> we're not New Yorkers. Yeah. Uh, so the the grave number of Brittany Murphy's father is what Sean Bean is after, which is in a cement in a cemetery on Hart Island. Um, and then that's where the doll is, right? Dolls in the grave. The the doll is buried in the grave, and that's like which is what Brittany Murphy keeps talking about when she's trying to recall her memories, right? Right. Yeah. Mishka is the name of Mishka, the doll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's somehow the the key to. Yeah. Does it have? I, I so don't... so the number of the grave is basically what Sean Bean wants because he thinks that's where the stone is buried. Mm-hmm. But what Brittany Murphy knows is that's where Mishka is, is the doll yeah. yeah uh so then they what michael douglas steals a boat yeah, right and they steal a boat to go to the island go to the island <laughs> and then it just gets real I mean, and, and again that's again the kind of thing that's funny michael douglas stealing a boat <laughs> yeah. is funny because it's out of desperation yeah, yeah. he's this like you know, rich, yuppie-looking guy. And yeah. Like, I want more of this guy committing crimes. <laughs> yeah. That's in what... the name of, like, good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or what he needs to do. Right. Like, that's what this movie should mostly be. Not a bunch <laughs> of unnecessary subplots, like... Yeah. Fomka Jensen trying to 
you know move around the apartment with a cast on <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about the the nathan conrad's famous sponge bath scene oh yeah before. yeah because you need a scene at the beginning of the movie to show how uh in love they are how in love the married couple are right it's it's just him offering her a sponge bath yeah. kind of creepily because she's you know laid up in bed and he, yeah. he's like you haven't had one of nathan conrad's <laughs> famous sponge baths <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it should the movie should have ended with him giving a providing sponge a sponge bath <laughs> well now that jesse's in bed how yeah. about another of nathan conrad's <laughs> famous sponge baths and then he looks at the camera yeah. and like winks or something <laughs> yeah. don't say a word yeah i think that's what should have happened yeah uh yeah the last like 20 minutes of this movie like couldn't be more boring i think <laughs> yeah it's just it's them having the like little like classic showdown or whatever yeah so it all gravesite. it all wraps up at the cemetery uh which i think the doll does have the gem inside it right yeah so the they dig up the grave well, they first dig up the wrong grave, right? Because she remembers the number backwards because yes. she saw the number in a reflection. I don't know. Not important. How many graves are on this island? Uh, well, it's a six-digit number, right? Yeah. So I a would lot. assume a lot yeah. <laughs> if it's a six-digit number. Yeah, that's that's a lot of traversing uh, Otherwise, the cemetery. I guess if it was a smaller amount of graves, they could have just... Dug, dug up a up bunch of, of graves them. yeah <laughs> imagine imagine just like working on that island and then coming to work the next day and be like holy shit someone dug up <laughs> all of our graves <laughs> uh yeah you know not to poke too many holes in this movie but i feel like there's an easier way they could have done this the gang of thieves like they probably could have just broken Brittany murphy out of the psych hospital and questioned her yeah. I mean, but that would, like, obviously, uh, you know, it's, give you no plot. It's odd because they don't, for the most part, really seem like super intelligent thieves or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're, but, like, they're very, well, like, there's a lot of random, like, thieves that you don't even realize are in on it or whatever. Because yeah. there's, like, a guy on a motorcycle that's just following Michael Douglas around. Right. Um, but yeah, like the movie should have been like, should have made us, made us feel like Nathan Conrad's presence is truly necessary in this, in a way that it doesn't. Yeah. Because they should have, like, she should have been his patient, right? Not just some random. Yeah. Or, or mm -hmm. they've already broken her out of the facility and tried but yeah. gotten nowhere or yeah something. like we can't get get yeah. anything out of her we need the best uh exactly child psychiatrist in, call in new york call him the best yeah which is nathan um, conrad right it doesn't really make sense how they arrive at yeah. him yeah uh the screenwriters are doing way too much work like what we're gonna get another psychiatrist to convince <laughs> yeah, this why, psychiatrist why is oliver platt even involved at all it yeah. should have just been one of his patients yeah to begin oh with. no no we need another psychiatrist to convince him and that psychiatrist has to have have had his girlfriend kidnapped and there needs to be a detective on the case of that kidnapping so here's how i would have done it yeah Brittany murphy's his patient mm-hmm 
Oliver Platt and his girlfriend don't exist, which means Jennifer Esposito doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, so that's killing a couple of subplots there. Yeah. Um, he has to go down there the night before Thanksgiving still mm-hmm. because he is told that someone has stolen Brittany Murphy from the mm-hmm. premises. Yeah. So that gives him the reason to still be late coming mm-hmm. home that night. Yeah. And you still get to have the, like, those scenes. Yeah. Or whatever, like, where he's, like, talking with his family. And then the next day, mm-hmm. he gets a call out of the blue mm-hmm. from Sean Bean and the kidnappers being like, we have your patient. Mm-hmm. We need you. Yeah. Or whatever. And then, then the rest of the movie could basically function mostly yeah. the same. You could cut out some of the... Yeah. Like, I guess the Lance Reddick stuff wouldn't really happen but like that would be at least a tighter way of doing it in a way that seems less convoluted yeah the fact that like two psychiatrists are like held ransom (laughs) in this movie is so stupid (laughs) yeah uh yeah yeah there's a there's too much in this movie that you don't need Mm -hmm. uh so yeah, at the very end of the movie, they get to the island, the cemetery, and they, well, they first dig up the wrong grave, but then they dig up the correct grave, but they just find the doll in there. And then, what is it? Michael Douglas is like, look inside the doll. No, they just break the doll open. I think so. I, I don't remember like, that. This is the part where I wasn't paying I, I was, super close I was attention. definitely kind of checked out towards the end of this. Yeah. Yeah, because it gets, like, very uninteresting in the last mm-hmm. 10, 20 minutes. Uh, but, yeah, it's revealed that the, the stone is inside of the doll. Uh, and then, what, Sean Bean's about to... He, he's got what he wants, so he's about to kill, kill Michael Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to kill both of them. But but that's when Jennifer Esposito yeah, shows up. Yeah, it's a up. good thing Jennifer Esposito's on the case, because she shows up. Uh, and then there's a big shootout. A couple of the henchmen get killed. Yeah, and then what Jennifer Esposito gets, like, wounded, right? Yeah, like, she gets she shot in, like, the shoulder or the arm or something. Yeah. Uh, and there's a big scuffle. Michael Douglas pushes uh, Sean Bean uh, into the grave. <laughs> into uh, yeah, like a grave, like a hole, that like a dug. big hole. Yeah. yeah, which ends up uh, collapsing on him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he's dead. He's, he's buried alive. <laughs> he's buried alive. Um, yeah, and then uh, everybody goes home. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know where Brittany Murphy goes. Back to... I mean, this is another traumatic event. It's, uh, I think she ends up living with with Michael Douglas, right? Does she? I think so. I mean, really? I, I... That doesn't seem realistic, but... Uh, definitely not. No. But I, I suppose... I suppose it'd be a traumatic event for... Oh, yeah, he invites her to live with him. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember that. Uh, I mean, I suppose, like, the two of them would have been gone through a traumatic thing together but like yeah that still seems unlikely um yeah so that's this movie i Uh, mean if i'm if i'm uh famka jansen whose character name i want to 
shout out real quick is Aggie. Aggie, yeah, which is short for uh, Agatha. Agatha, um, yeah, probably. Yeah, I like. I kept thinking they were saying Abby, which is like yeah, a more common name than Aggie. Aggie, yeah. That's one of those things where it's like that. I feel like is a little too much personality from the writer. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you're trying to make it too distinct or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Somebody t- should have told the screenwriter of this movie to just relax. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's his book, too. What's that guy's name? Oh, Andrew Clavin. Oh, the the author of the book wrote the screenplay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he's like... Um, well, he should have done a better job. <laughs> I, I only know... Yeah, he definitely should have. He... Oh, okay, actually, no, he didn't. But he was a producer... Or an executive producer. He was involved with the production. Okay. I remember that. Um, but he's also like a conservative uh, commentator. Mm. Like, I think he has a podcast on like Ben Shapiro's network. Mm. So that's kind of how I know him. Only because I'd heard of this guy and whatever. I like Googled him one day and I was like, holy shit, it's the, it's the guy who wrote Don't Say a Word. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, but yeah. Um... Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this movie, oh, we didn't bring this up. This movie is directed by Gary Fletter. Yeah, it's our second Gary Fletter yeah. movie on the podcast. It kind of ties it all back to the very first episode of the show, which was about Imposter, Imposter. directed by Gary Fletter. Which was actually probably made before this, no, definitely was made Yeah, it was for sure made movie. before this, yeah. Yeah, we were also talking a little bit last night while texting that Gary Flutter, like, turned 35 while making this movie. Yeah. And I don't know, that just made me feel like shit, because yeah, I turned 35 in, like, three months. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I am 35. And you are 35, yeah. and we haven't made, like, four Hollywood <laughs> shitty pot boilers, but yeah. he had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Man, he made uh, Kiss the Girls when he was, uh... Like, 29 uh, or 30, I think, is... Because that movie came out in 97. Oh, okay, so he would have been 27 when that movie came out. So that means he did Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead when he was very young. My math was off. He would have been 32 when Kiss the Girls came out. But he might have been, like, 30 when they were making something like that. Um... But, yeah, because, yeah, he did Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. That was, like, his first movie. Yeah. Uh, we I guess we can talk about Gary Flutter's career. I don't know if we did. I don't, I'm sure we did a little I bit on The Imposter. I think we touched on it, yeah. Then he did Kiss the Girls in 97. Then he did, what, like, one episode of From the Earth to the Moon, the HBO miniseries. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, I do. Um... He did Don't Say a Word in 2001. He did Imposter in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we know, Imposter was actually filmed like 1998. Yeah, something nine. like that. So it would have been like right after Kiss the Girls. Right. Uh, and then he did um, Runaway Jury mm. in 2003. I'm going to go on the record and say That's his the- best film. <laughs> I haven't seen it. So even I, though it's but just I believe like you. a cheesy like yeah legal thriller, um, he did The Express, which was the Ernie Davis the football football movie. yeah, never um, saw it, never saw it. No, um, I mean that was in 
That was in kind of that resurgence of the Disney inspirational sports dramas. Like that was like post Miracle, The Rookie, all of those. In Invincible. Invincible, yeah. Um, and then pretty much from then on, it's all TV with the exception of Homefront in 2013. The one movie that dared to ask Jason Statham to play an American guy. Um, <laughs> Which is with uh, James Franco, James, right? He's like I, a villain. Yeah, I never I, saw it. I never saw it. I, it seemed bad, but... Yeah. Um, Maybe we should see it. <laughs> do, do an entire Gary Flair series. Um, but yeah, and now it's only TV. All right. Which is weird, because like, these movies, even though I wouldn't call any of them good... For the most part, were competently made. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, they were. I guess, especially Runaway Jury seems competently made. Yeah, Kiss maybe not. Girls. Maybe not Imposter. Yeah, Imposter. <laughs> no, but Imposter also had a pretty tortured uh, production yeah. as well. So I don't know that you can one hundred percent blame that on him. Right. But um. Uh, oh, and he also did uh, Turn, the uh, Washington Spies movie with. Uh, Oh, that was a show. I think you just did an episode of that. Oh, I thought that was like a miniseries. No, that show is like three seasons. Oh. I, I, I kind of always wanted to watch it with your boy Jamie Bell on it. Jamie Bell. JB. Uh, JB. Who should AKA, be James Bond. AKA James Bond. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I always kind of wanted to watch that show because I, I do have a soft spot for uh, like Revolutionary War. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> entertainment. I don't know what that sounds. That that sounds super nerdy, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, for some reason, yeah, I always thought that was a like a mini series or like a. I want to say that show got like three or four seasons. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, because that was that was an AMC show, and that was that was um, that was like the post Breaking Bad Mad Men boom. That's right. Of yeah, AMC that was when when AMC was making a ton of money and was able to just do all these sort of like quasi uh yeah you know uh big television shows yeah so that so that's where gary fletter's career went after right uh don't say a word yeah yeah i mean i i i do feel like i mean okay imposter aside there is like a level of competence in all of those movies like yeah like, I mean, I think he, I just kind of think of Gary Flutter as being, like, just kind of a studio hack or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's better. <laughs> like, there's a, I think there's a role for the studio hack in Hollywood. <laughs> but I guess, like, those kinds of faceless movies like this yeah. don't get made as much yeah. anymore. So maybe the studio hack is, uh, yeah. they, they can keep finding even cheaper you know people to do it i right. don't know but yeah i think we not sure if we talked about this on or off mic but uh like if movies like don't say a word and runaway jury came out nowadays it would be exciting oh i'd I, i'd be thrilled there yeah. there's very few of uh them that kind of exist in that realm yeah um like I'm trying to think of like some recent ones. Like the one that r- most reminds me of those was the Little Things last year. Yeah, and like that movie was bad. And, and yeah, and, but like it's absolutely the kind of movie where if we weren't 
really in knee deep in um, a pandemic at the time. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously it's still going on, but like, especially when that came out on HBO, that would a movie would have would have been a movie I would have been thrilled to see in theaters, even yeah. knowing that it was probably going to be bad. Right. Um, and like more recent ones, like, I mean, like movies like that used to come out. This was something we were talking about yeah. last night in the text. Movies like this used to come out like almost like bi-weekly. Yeah, just <laughs> there like used to be so many of them. Adult thrillers. Yeah. Um, uh, I was then, trying to think. I think the only thing I could think of, like in recent memory, is uh, Money Monster. If you remember that movie with yeah. uh, Clooney and Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. with which is like a hostage situation movie on the set of a. Uh, Jim Cramer style. Yeah. <laughs> Not a movie I ever saw. Uh, I think I saw it. And it was yeah, it was bad, but at least it like kind of harkened back to those yeah, those like star driven thrillers. Yeah, I mean, I even think like I I have a real soft. I mean, you and I both have a real soft spot for that genre, um, mm-hmm. and maybe it's again because of the era we grew up in. But the '90s was filled with those. Yeah, like I like absolutely stuffed to the gills mm-hmm. with them, and and even into the early two thousands, like I can, I mean, I can think of movies, movies I still think, I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but like a movie like Breach, that's not a movie that anybody really remembers or mm-hmm. talks about, but that's yeah. a movie I remember thinking was pretty good. Yeah, uh, and, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember that being pretty good. Yeah, I have it on DVD. Yeah, yeah, it's a movie <laughs> I I think about revisiting. Uh, yeah a lot and it's like it's it's a relatively like minor piece of work but like it's one of those like it's the perfect kind of movie to just spend your afternoon at a movie theater with like and 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 even don't say a word even though it's like a a bad example Mm -hmm. of one it is still like in that kind of like man nothing more fun than a little like sub two hour preferably 90 minute <laughs> yeah like mystery yeah and it's just like you know just some adults swearing and <laughs> yeah and, and running around and yeah and then you get your resolution and then you get to go home yeah and you spend a, spend a couple hours in a cool theater right there's a lot of comfort in that i think yeah uh, uh spotlight kind of that spotlight has it's a, little a little bit of that energy it's, a little more prestige it's definitely on the prestige end of it, but yeah. I, I I think part of the reason I actually liked Spotlight as much as I did is mm-hmm. because yeah. it kind of stayed in the in the in the stayed grounded a little yeah. bit and made it kind of a thriller at the yeah. same time as opposed to just an expose a journalism expose on yeah. like um, the Catholic Church. The church, yeah. Um, uh. I mean, there's a movie that came out this year that uh, you and I both want to see uh, that I've heard is kind of kind of in that realm, not quite the same, but mm-hmm. like I've heard it's pretty good. Is the outfit? Yeah, Rylance, just like an adult. Yeah, th- thriller. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I do want to see that. That's what we're watching tomorrow. Nice <laughs> that <laughs> movie was, night. That's my favorite yeah. movie night. Uh, yeah, very nice. Oh, and State of Play, I think, is another one of those. <coughs> State of Play is, like, one of the last, like, kind of big ones that I remember. Yeah, and like, I, that's another movie, kind of like Breach, that I have a level of fondness for. Yeah. That, 
That's not a movie that really gets remembered or talked about very mm-hmm. often, but I remember <laughs> liking that movie. Like, yeah, a decent amount. State of Play is a 90s thriller that came out in 2009. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It could have been directed by Tony Scott. Yeah, or like um, Philip Noyce. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always Noyce when Philip comes to the yeah. joint. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so yeah this is a kind of movie like ebert said i have a sneaky affection for mm-hmm. yeah uh but don't say where it's not a great example of that no, no, genre it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty mediocre and yeah uh, surprisingly listless for having such yeah. a convoluted plot you're just yeah. like what's what does any of this mean none of this none of this is important in any way yeah I'm just thinking. You got Michael Douglas. Just put him on screen for every just make him every scene of the movie. Yeah, just make him fucking like swear and like, get stressed out, and that's yeah. all you need from and, this movie. Yeah, that's all anyone really wants. Yeah, and you've got a good R-rated yeah. suspense movie. Yeah, just him like sweating and looking yeah. looking nervous, and that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, I mean that's that is. Uh, not all of the charm of the game because the game is an interesting movie apart from Michael Douglas yeah. but I would say the driving factor of the game is it's perfect use of Michael yeah. Douglas um, and it, it's odd to me that a movie would come out after the game and not think to just kind of do it again let him do that thing Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's like I mean, even going back further, like a movie like Falling Down, mm-hmm. which is an interesting movie. I don't think it's super good, but it's all right. Yeah. Um, but uh, maybe a controversial movie, especially these days. But like, <laughs> uh, but that is a movie that understands that that Michael Douglas's like sort of yeah descent or whatever is. Mm-hmm. 100% the only reason yeah. anybody should or would watch this movie. Yeah. And, like, this movie, uh, odd to me that it wouldn't recognize yeah. that in in Michael Douglas. Like, why why even cast Michael Douglas? You could have cast, like, a hunkier actor to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, a younger, hunkier guy. Mm-hmm. And made it just a standard kind of, like, run around chase movie. But, yeah. You know. Mel Gibson, maybe? Uh, th- then yeah. I think it would be too similar to Ransom. Yeah, it would have been pretty <laughs> similar to Ransom. Um, that's a weird... Because it's a weird part of Mel Gibson's career. Because that same year as... Or was it the year after What Women Want? Uh, so What, we, what Women Want was... Mel Gibson? 2000. And then okay. uh, We Were Soldiers was 2002. Okay. So if so, he was in Don't Say a Word, it would have been right in between those two. Right. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe that would have worked. Um, it was certainly before we knew everything we knew about Mel Gibson. Sure. Um, but then it basically would have been Ransom. Yeah. Except yeah. he would be a psychiatrist. I, I would be very interested, and I, I didn't find this in any of my research or whatever last night. I I call it research loosely. <laughs> <laughs> Me just Googling the movie like during the most boring parts of the movie. Um, but, like, I didn't find any, like, alternate casting. Oh, like, okay. Like, I, I, I wanted to know if anyone else was, like, offered the part. Yeah. Because there are the moments that we've talked about where it does feel like a Michael Douglas movie, but there's yeah. too few of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Und- it underuses Michael Douglas. Which is... Uh, Insane. Weird. Weird. A weird choice. Why get Michael Douglas? Yeah. Um, Especially at this point in his career, when he's still able to, even if he's on the, you know, probably the early part of the back nine of his career Mm -hmm. in 2001, like, he's still able to capably lead a thriller. Yeah. Like, even if it's a little silly, because he's older. Yeah. He definitely looks like an old man anytime he's next to his wife in this movie. (laughs) But then you get get the Sentinel in 2006, Mm -hmm. which... uh, uh, (laughs) Not a good movie either, but... But again, something I wouldn't totally be opposed to rewatching. Oh, yeah, I know. You and I you and I talked about the Sentinel not that long ago. Yeah. Uh I I would I would be curious to yeah. rewatch the Sentinel. Which has some of like this kind of stuff in it. He's a secret service Kiefer's agent in that too, right? Yeah. Kiefer. So and... that is the post 24 for sure reaction yeah. sort of. Yeah. That is like let's get Michael Douglas in this Yeah. Movie almost 24 style political thriller and then we got to get Kiefer as well so yeah. audiences know exactly what to expect yeah uh and i'm trying to remember because i haven't seen that movie since 2006 but he's a secret service agent framed for the murder of the president is that attempted right attempted murder maybe attempted it was murder. attempted i don't know or maybe but it was just murder he's a suspect because he was having an affair with the first lady which is kim basinger yeah i may have like some of that wrong but I mean, that sounds like a rejected 90s Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which, again, all a lot of those 90s Clint Eastwood movies, like In the Line of Fire, mm-hmm. um, Absolute Power, like mm-hmm. those movies are fun. Yeah, like, especially In the Line of Fire. In the Line of Fire, especially. Um, and that, <laughs> if you watch In the Line of Fire now, <laughs> yeah. and that movie's what, 1993 Three. or four? Yeah. Okay. Three. So... He looks pretty old in that movie. Yeah. And you don't understand how he could still do another, like, 15 years of movies kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> after it. Maybe, maybe 15 He's stretching it. Charming like, Rene Russo. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, like, him doing, like, True Crime in 99. I mean, that's a movie we've for sure talked about before as being a particularly egregious uh, example of... Yeah. Of really pushing Clint to the the limit of his uh, <laughs> womanizing, yeah. I don't even know what you would call it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, at least in terms of believability, right? But uh, and just getting back to Absolute Power, that's a movie that's like like fun and kind of boring at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. <laughs> Um, um, but it is better than True Crime, which may be more watchable, true. but yeah. True Crime is a much worse movie. True Crime is just so dumb. Yeah. Let's, um, let's take a brief, before we wrap, yeah. you know, do final grades and then do the box of it and stuff, let's do a quick rundown on Michael Douglas's career around this time. Because okay. I think it's an, he's got some interesting stuff. Like 90s to 2000s? 90s to like leading up to this okay we'll say um or <laughs> leading up to liberty's kids where he voiced patrick <laughs> henry <laughs> um so okay so michael douglas michael douglas becomes a big star i would say in the in the 80s, 80s. yeah um he was like a tv guy 
in the 70s with Streets of San Francisco. And then, what, Coma? Coma was the late 70s. So Michael Crichton. Yeah. That's kind of like a big breakout. That's when he becomes like less of a TV guy, more of a, a movie guy, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, the 80s, you know, he's got the Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile. He does the, the like erotic thriller, like Fail Attraction. He does mm-hmm. Wall Street. He does Black Rain. War of the Roses. So, you know, that's 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 his 80s. Mm-hmm. Pretty prominent. So his 90s are kind of interesting. Um, Shining Through from 1992, which yeah, is not but, a movie I'm familiar with. Uh, that's like a Nazi uh, okay. melodrama, I, which I saw on cable, I think, when I was a very little kid. Uh, so I may be wrong about some of what I just said, but I think there's Nazis involved. Yeah, yeah, there is. Looks like Liam Neeson plays a Nazi. Okay. <laughs> um, also 1992, um, maybe one of his most infamous movies is Basic Instinct, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, I think, I think to this day, people still don't fully realize is like a satire on that yeah. genre. Right. Yeah. Uh, as well as working, you know, for yeah. the most part um which is what verhoven was all about i mean yeah verhoven is the king of subversiveness i would say like Um, doing it and kind of making fun of it at the same time yeah Yeah. i mean that's that's the big issue that people have with like starship troopers and stuff like that is they don't recognize that it it is both what it is and yeah making fun of subtly what it yeah. is as well I've, I've never read the book but i think it's kind of making fun of the book yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh verhoven uh definitely i think one of the most interesting filmmakers probably to ever exist mm-hmm. like in terms of just like the kind of stuff he did and what he what he did yeah um i love robocop oh yeah robocop robocop rules uh, I love Total Recall. I, I don't know which which's my favorite Verhoeven. Uh, I think mine's Total Recall, but Robo it's it's neck and neck with Robocop. Yeah, I, it's I, it's tough because basically thinks Instinct is good too. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I prefer the the sci-fi stuff. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of Michael Douglas's nipples being sucked on in uh, Basic Instinct. <laughs> I don't really recall that, but it's... I remember while. it. <laughs> okay. All right, well, uh, if that's what you're looking for, <laughs> add that movie. Unless here. it's a, a nipple double. <laughs> it could have been. Uh, 1993, he did Falling Down, mm-hmm. which is, uh, again, uh, a, a weird movie. Yeah, I don't love Falling Down. No, I don't either. Um, it's a weird one. It's especially in like sort of the modern climate, I would say. It doesn't uh, <laughs> yeah. seem great. It's all about like an aggrieved white guy, basically. So um, It's interesting. I don't mm-hmm. know. He's good in it, um, I guess. Yeah, it's but, got some iconic scenes. Yeah. Um, Joel Schumacher film, too. Yeah. Um, 1994, he did Disclosure, which is, Mm -hmm. I've always heard, very bad. Disclosure, I think, is very bad. Yeah, and that's, that is kind of, like, 
it is. is in the way that basic instinct is subversive this is just trying to be one of those yeah but it, it it tries to do the flip yeah it's an erotic thriller uh written by mike Crichton, right uh is it uh yeah you're right yeah novel barry levinson film too which mm-hmm. i always forget um but yeah, it's it tries to do the opposite thing where he is like not the aggressor or whatever. Right. Or oh yeah. That's it's it's basically like uh women can commit sexual harassment too. <laughs> Check out this movie. Yeah, that's a whole other like, thing. Uh, this is gross. <laughs> um nineteen ninety five, I feel like I never saw this movie, but I feel like this is him attempting to soften his image after, especially after the last, uh, like, oh, uh, handful of years. The, um, uh, American president. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, Which I think uh, I saw on a plane. Rob Reiner. Maybe. Yeah. Um, that movie got okay reviews. I never yeah, saw people it. people liked it. It's not a movie anyway. He talks about it more, <laughs> certainly. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, like, kind of, like, that's like I guess a side of Michael Douglas really that uh-huh. we hadn't seen in a movie to yeah. this point, or at least not in a very long time. Um, ninety six. Uh, this movie I've always heard very bad, but I never saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. The Ghost in the Darkness. Oh yeah, with uh, Val. Val. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it. Which that's like the big game hunter movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. I don't think that movie did well at the box office or anything. Uh, no, I don't think so. 97, uh, the game. So yeah. Of course, as we, as we said, I think one of, both one of our favorite, uh, yeah. movies it's, of the 90s. It's my second favorite Fincher. That's tough. That's so tough. Yeah. Um, number I mean, one is Zodiac. Yeah, clearly. Zodiac, which I'm actually probably going to watch like after we record <laughs> tonight. Uh, because I've been wanting to watch a Philip Baker Hall thing. Because Philip yeah. Baker Hall just passed away. Yeah. And I know that's not like the Philip Baker Hall performance. Because it's basically a small cameo performance. Uh-huh. But like I, I've been wanting to rewatch Zodiac anyway. And yeah. so now I, I want to watch that. But uh, Is the game my second favorite venture? I don't know. It's definitely mine. Uh, uh, I know Social Network's up there. Probably for you. I mean, I I love I the Social Network. But I think the Social Network's my second favorite. Yeah. I I would definitely go with the game for second uh, favorite. God, and I think, like, as good as it is, it's somehow underrated. But I think Seven is somehow underrated, too. Mm-hmm. Because I, I almost think... But it's it's not a forgotten Fincher movie, but it's like a movie that people kind of accepted because it was kind of most people's entry point into Fincher movies. Yeah. That like I don't I still don't think it gets enough credit for what it did for like the genre. Yeah. Um That's another movie I keep meaning to re- revisit, but uh I haven't yet recently. Uh ninety eight. This is kinda like uh, eh, another movie like I, I don't think this movie is supposed to be very good but again if it came out these days I would see it A Perfect Murder oh yeah that that's again in this kind of yeah realm yeah that's our, our boy Andrew Davis yeah that's right uh, a fairly young Vigo Mortensen in yeah 
Mm-hmm. Uh, at least pre-Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Vigo. Post-Daylight uh, with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember him in that movie. Uh, I do. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Um, 2000 is another a softening movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie he got like awards attention for, if I remember correctly. Um, I used to really like this movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I probably wouldn't like it as much now. Mm-hmm. But I used to... In, like, 2001, I considered this one of my favorite movies, and that was Wonder Boys. Oh, yeah, Wonder Boys, I remember being pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember being pretty good, um, but I, I probably wouldn't... I, I definitely don't like it as much as I, like, used to. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. Uh, that's another movie. It's, like, a different side of Michael Douglas. Yeah. A softer side. Uh, also in 2000 is... Of course, Traffic. Yeah, I was going to say Traffic. Um, where he plays the drugs are Robert yeah. Wakefield. Robert Wakefield. Uh, I'll always, just for some reason, remember that part where he's like talking to his wife and he's just talking about, like, I got to go come home at the end of the day and have a, I don't know, like a scotch and take the edge off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about that line not that long ago. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, and then, then that brings us to 2001, where he did two movies, one of which was Don't Say a Word. Can you remember the other one? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not a movie anybody talks about anymore. Can I have a hint? Um. Is, is he the star? No. He's, uh, he's... Kind of like an extended cameo, and he goes pretty big. It's him definitely trying to do a thing he's never done before. And it's, uh... Comedy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yes, it is. Um, Uh, I mean, not one I think you or I would consider funny. Yeah. Um, In fact, I don't know, you might not have ever even seen this movie. I don't know. Because it got pretty bad reviews, if I remember right. Hmm. Can I have a cast member? Oh, that would give Well, maybe right. not a prominent cast member. Okay, uh, a non-prominent cast member. Okay, I'll, I'll go not on the poster, because there's four people on the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not on the poster. In terms of people that you know, Richard Jenkins, Reba McIntyre, Andrew Dice Clay... Oh, oh, uh, yes, yes, um, <laughs> I, I can't, uh, there's no one else. Hold on, me. hold on, hold on, um, <laughs> I did see this movie. A film by Harold's, Harold Zwart. Don't know who that is, but this is, um, uh, <laughs> One Night at McCool's, that's right? That's right, that's right, yeah. One Night at McCool's. I did see this his, with my dad. His, uh, his other 2001 movie. It was the Andrew Dice Clay and Reba McIntyre that... <laughs> Yeah. Sealed the deal. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. With uh, Matt John Dillon. Goodman. Matt Dillon, John Goodman, yeah. Paul Reiser, and then, of course, uh, Liv Tyler. That's right. He was in it. He was... He's uh, like the hitman. He's the hitman, like, at a restaurant or something. Yeah, and uh, he, like, has big sideburns, yep, if I remember Like right. an Elvis-style yeah. pompadour. Terrible movie, if I remember <laughs> right. I hated it when I was a little kid. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know the reviews on that? 
at least on the Metascore, not as bad as I would have thought. The movie has a 46 on huh. Metascore. Uh, uh, that, it doesn't make me want to revisit it. I don't think that movie's available on any streaming huh. service. I just remember it being like a really bad like dark comedy. <laughs> yeah, and this this was kind of that era for bad dark comedies. Like yeah. Very bad things. Sure. A few years before. Like... The Coen Brothers, but uh, real bad. I watched one of the worst ones mm. from the bad dark comedy genre like three nights ago. Oh, Pain, Pain and Gain. No, <laughs> no, but from this era, from oh, 2000, okay. All right. uh, Lucky Numbers. That's a I very... watched it on HBO Max <laughs> the other day. That's a very bad one. Yeah, that movie's awful. That movie's one of the most insane movies <laughs> I've ever seen. I, I kept meaning to talk about that with yeah. you that I watched it the other day. Yeah. Um, Michael we, Moore? Yeah, Michael Moore, who gets killed by um, Lisa, Lisa Kudrow, Kudrow because she hides his inhaler, is that right? Yeah, she won't give him his... Wow. <laughs> I haven't movie, seen that movie since 2000. It's so bad, but it's fascinatingly awful, and that movie's also directed by Nora Ephron, which seems yeah. insane. Who didn't do those kinds of movies. No. Yeah. And it was written by the Death the Smoochie guy, which that makes sense. Right. But, like, which is another one of those, like, sort of bad, dark comedies yeah. from that era. Yeah. But anyway, I, <laughs> we don't have to talk about <laughs> lucky numbers anymore. But I did watch that, like, three nights ago and um, wanted to talk with somebody about how insane that movie is. Because it, it is truly a, a, whack, a wacky movie. Yeah. Um, not in a good way. Not in a good way. Anyway, that's that's Michael Douglas. So up, okay. up to don't say a word. Yeah. All right. So weird nineties. Yeah. The game is for sure the best nineties oh, Michael Douglas easily, movie. Easily. Easily. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe like Basic Instinct. Yeah. Probably. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so uh, don't say a word. What what's the grade we're gonna give this? I'm leaning maybe too high on this. I, I am too. I'm going C minus. I was gonna say C minus. <laughs> I wanted to give it a D plus, but I think my affection for the genre, yeah, raises it a bit. It's and the Michael Douglas factor. Yeah, there. Are, it's not without its charms. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there are scenes like uh-huh. again, like the scene where he's forced to stab uh, Lance Reddick <laughs> with a syringe is like. An entertaining scene. Yeah. Like that, some of that stuff is actually like mm. kind of good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's a pretty low C minus, I would say. But yeah. I I didn't feel comfortable giving it like close to what we gave like Imposter, which was I think a D. Yeah. Imposter is much worse. It's a much worse movie than this. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, it's just overly complicated and doesn't really make yeah. the best use of what it has. Yeah. What I would how i would wrap this you just need need more of michael douglas in a pinch absolutely i mean that that's (laughs) a you look over his filmography and his his best movies are the ones where it's stressed out michael douglas yeah (laughs) i mean that's great he's in a pinch (laughs) yeah i mean and that's that's what makes probably the game my favorite michael douglas movie uh, yeah because he is permanently stressed out in that movie Mm mm-hmm uh if uh, if you look at me and I keep looking at my computer screen, it's because I am still on the Spin City IMDb page, <laughs> and it's just it keeps playing this uh, like trailer for Spin City. 
Uh, and I'm just watching on a loop. Uh, well, would you like to know some box office information for Don't Say a Word? Uh, yeah. Well, what, do you have anything else to say about it? Anything uh, else to wrap it up? No, just nothing more than I've already said is that it's just got way too many unnecessary subplots. And it should strictly just be about Michael Douglas's character. Mm. Uh, yeah, totally. This should be his 88 minutes. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and, and like 88 minutes is dog shit, but uh-huh. that movie is super memorable dog shit. To me. Yeah. And this movie is not memorable. No. Really, in the slightest. Like, yeah. And, and 88 minutes is also just chock full of Pacino going nuts right and like if you if you if you had michael douglas doing the same thing i would probably watch this movie like every couple of years and it would somehow probably be like kind of better yeah with michael Douglas, like a better legit better movie with michael douglas doing the same stuff yeah uh yeah but c minus for me c minus is okay well we're on the same page with it yeah um so this movie had an estimated budget of about $50 million, which is mm-hmm. pretty high for this kind of movie nowadays. Yeah. This kind of movie nowadays, if it even got made, would probably be made for next to nothing. Sure. Um, it opened at number one at the box office, wow. uh, ahead of Zoolander and ahead of Hearts in Atlantis, the other two movies that week. Which is interesting because, like, obviously Hearts in Atlantis didn't have a lot of marketability, but it was marketed as a big Oscar-y kind of movie. I remember Yeah, because it kind of looked like the Green Mile and Well, it was also Shawshank. Frank Darabont, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So, that makes sense. But yeah, I remember Hearts in Atlantis being a much, like, sort of hyped movie. Yeah. Um, and then Zoolander, obviously... The nation, I guess, just wasn't ready to laugh yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, although Zoolander came in very close second. It was... Mm-hmm. So Don't Say a Word had $17 million opening weekend. Mm-hmm. A 17 uh, and like 90000 Okay. Um, and then Zoolander came in second, $15.5 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very close second. Um, actually had a higher average because it just was open in less theaters than oh, okay um hearts in atlantis was only nine million uh opening opening weekend at number three but um it we'll come back to this top 10 because i think it's a funny interesting <laughs> top 10 as i said earlier this movie ended up grossing uh 55 million here in the states so it made its budget back and then oh yeah uh, about a hundred million internationally, so like worldwide. Uh, so one hundred and fifty total, or no, hundred total. total oh, okay. hundred total worldwide. So yeah, I mean this movie was pretty, pretty big. sizable yeah. little hit. Made I mean, its money it, back. Anytime a movie like this makes it double, I mean it basically doubled its money, and that's yeah. without including like home video sales and stuff right. like that. Um, some <laughs> other interesting uh ones from the top 10 this week do you want to like take a guess at what any of these are because none of these are 2002 movies right this is all 2001 for the most part we're probably not going to talk about any of these oh man i'm trying to think fall of 2001 jay and silent bob no, that would no. That was no, early. That that was all the way down at number twenty five. Okay, so that was that was 
well on its way out of the- that was probably only in like yeah cheap cheap theaters uh the glass house uh that was number seven. Oh, okay previous week it was number three at the box <laughs> office it was its third week uh it made two million dollars uh so that means the glass house opened like right before 9-11 yeah because uh... there's no the only movie that's like two weeks old is the omega code 2 which is not something i've ever heard <laughs> of uh and that's not even in the top 10 yeah that's something else um rockstar rockstar with Wahlberg. Is number 17 ah. so it dropped from number eight the previous week all the way down to 17 so that was another <laughs> movie fourth week of release and it tanked well it's terrible that's why <laughs> yeah hell yeah never saw it but yes uh man what else domestic disturbance <laughs> not in there that maybe that didn't come out yet. uh that might have been that might have been earlier in the summer that uh, was another movie i saw with my grandma okay or maybe it hadn't come out yet but i don't see it here yeah i think maybe it was a little later actually okay so actually this wasn't the last movie i saw with my grandma because i definitely saw domestic, domestic disturbance, disturbance with my grandma and joyride would have been october correct yeah, I, I don't see Joyride anywhere in the top, like, 62, which is what mm. it shows me here. Yeah, that's all I can really think of. <clears throat> okay. Well, um, some I'll, I'll, I'll just go in descending order. Number four at the box office was the previous week's number one, which was uh, Keanu Reeves' Hardball. Hardball, yeah. Um, number uh, five, which is the previous week's number two... In its eighth week of release is The Others. And that was a big oh, word of mouth movie. Yeah. Um, and then perhaps even more astonishingly, number six was Rush Hour 2 in its ninth week of release. <laughs> uh, that yeah, movie... Rush Hour 2 is a big, big movie. Oh, yeah. Again, uh, another movie where people listening now who are maybe a little too young wouldn't understand yeah. what a big hit Rush Hour 2 specifically was. Yeah. Because people liked Rush Hour 1, saw it maybe on DVD, because this mm. was in the early days of DVD. Yeah. But Rush Hour 2 was... Yeah. Uh, I stood in a line outside a theater yeah. for Rush Hour 2. Yeah. Um, like a line that went that wrapped around the theater. Right. Like, this was... this is That's like a thing that doesn't even happen for even the biggest Marvel movies anymore. Yeah. Um, like, I was just thinking, if I saw it at a second-run theater at the same time as Don't Say a Word, that must have been, like, October or November. And Rush Hour 2 was an August movie, so it must have been playing for months. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, because that was another movie that I don't think came out on DVD for even another couple months in 2002, right? December 11th, 2001 is when it came oh, out on Oh, really? Okay, so they DVD. rushed it then. They, it basically left cheap theaters and then went straight yeah. to DVD. Yeah. That's right, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, yeah, massive hit. Mm-hmm. I remember the DVD very well, too. It was part of the New Line... Cinema Platinum Club, I want to say. Okay. I just remember it had like a... A red case, uh, right? No. A silver case? 
Silver sounds right. It had a different color DVD it was case. Maybe a white case. Meh, yeah, maybe that sounds like about right. I I I, I don't know. My my dad um, still thinks Rush Hour Two is a great movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how recently he's seen it. But, but, great film. But I think if you asked him, "Hey, do you like Rush Hour yeah. 2? he would say yes. Yeah, A plus. Uh, 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 I can say that because he doesn't really listen to this podcast, yeah. which is funny because he's retired. Like, <laughs> he's like, Are "You still doing the podcast?" I was like, "Yeah, you never listen." And he's like, "Oh, I try and tune in." I'm like. Clearly you don't. Uh, uh, Dennis, you know, Dennis, regular uh, guest on this show and listener, uh, thought that we went on a lot of tangents on the last episode. He, I wonder what he would think of this episode. I don't where, care. Where we're I, talking about I, honestly. the color of the Rush Hour 2 DVD case. <laughs> probably like, oh my God, end this episode. Yeah, uh, I think this is solid gold oh yeah podcast yeah uh all right seven is the glass house eight is the musketeer Oof. holy shit <laughs> man that really takes me back with uh <laughs> with like uh lily sobies not lily sobies no uh, uh, mina suvari yeah and then like justin something What's yeah that guy's name? justin uh the guy who was in that other zodiac movie that right. we saw uh justin chambers yes yeah oh that that movie uh, that movie's bad i never saw the musketeer i've seen it like on cable it's it's bad um number nine Another uh, another long laster, which is not really a thing that happens very often anymore. No. Except for maybe like Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And that's a uh, Rat Race is still hanging on from earlier in the summer. That's in its seventh week of release. Man. And that was a <laughs> that was a big deal movie too. Yeah, that really takes me back yeah. to that summer. Late yeah. summer. Uh, uh, what about Loser with Jason Biggs? Is that anywhere in the top, top, top? Probably not. No, I don't. I saw that around that time. Uh, oh, wait. No, Loser was the year before. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was 2000. Well, but speaking of Jason Biggs, number 11, uh, just outside the top 10, is still American Pie 2 in its eighth week of release. Okay. Uh, but then number 10 was uh, Two Can Play That Game with Nick yeah. Cannon. Yeah. Uh, with no, what uh, am I thinking of? Uh, Money Can't Buy Me Love. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, Morris Chestnut was in, and Vivica uh, Fox, and Vivica Fox was yeah. in. Two can play at that game. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. Um, I won't go through the rest, but I'll just shout out a couple other funny titles that maybe you haven't thought about uh, in a while, but. Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh, Josh Hartnett, yeah. Mackay Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. Captain Corelli's mandolins in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, Never saw Captain Corelli's mandolins. <laughs> Neither did I, but I, I am kind of curious to hear his accent work in that one. <laughs> um, the score with De Niro's yeah. in there at some point. Obviously, several weeks into its release, mm-hmm. uh, American Outlaws, Colin yeah. Farrell, uh-huh. right. Yeah. What about Heist with Gene Hackman? Maybe uh, that wasn't out yet. 
Yeah, I don't see I don't see Heist on there. That maybe might have been a little later. Heist was the superior film to the score. Yeah, very similar to the mm-hmm. score, but didn't have the crackling dialogue. Um. Yeah, there's some other interesting stuff in there. Maybe I'll just shout out the other the other new releases from this day, which mm-hmm. are much much further down. Um, definitely probably haven't thought of Extreme Days in a while. Not in a very long time. <laughs> that was like number 18 at the box. That was its opening weekend. Uh, number 40, because uh, it was only released in 52 theaters, was Dinner Rush with Danny Aiello. I remember the DVD cover. <laughs> it's a movie I remember seeing at Blockbuster all yeah. the time, and that's that's the extent of it. Uh, and that's that's about it. There's there's some funny funny things. Bubble Boy in here. <laughs> Osmosis Jones. <laughs> Movies that I largely <laughs> haven't thought about in a while. Uh, somehow somehow. Uh, uh, what about Say It Isn't So? With no, Chris Klein. I don't see that anywhere. Yeah, that might have been a lot earlier in 2001. That movie is awful. Right. <laughs> Truly awful. Uh, I do think it's interesting that The Mummy Returns, uh, 22 weeks into its uh, release, mm-hmm. was still in 97 theaters. <laughs> wow. I mean, they had to have been cheap theaters only, but that was like a, that was yeah. like an early summer uh, right. I was thinking that was like a May or June yeah. movie, but yeah, I remember going to see the Mummy Returns like opening weekend. Yeah, uh, so that's the box office. That's the box office. Should we? Is that uh, all we have to talk about? Or, oh no, we have to talk about the we reception. Can, we can do the the critics. Yeah, yeah. You got uh, you got a guess for the Rotten Tomatoes score? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I would think that everybody was kind of on the same page as Ebert, right? And that it's, like, not terrible. Like, a serviceable thriller. Mm -hmm. uh, But, you know, pretty preposterous. Uh, I'll say somewhere in the high 40s. I'll say 49%. It's actually uh, significantly lower. It's 24%. Wow, that's not what I would have thought. I would have thought that more people were a little on board. And it it actually, like... I mean, do you have a guess for the meta score? If you didn't happen to see it on IMDb? Um, 40. It's 38. So not Mm. very good reviews. Wow. Like, I would have thought maybe lower tomato meter, but higher... Yeah. average score and yeah. it's not really um i mean it's not good the no, movie's not good no. but you know it's not like terrible but i mean like looking over some of those movies that were coming out around this time period like yeah i would find it hard to give this movie an f like when um like the musketeers is currently <laughs> yeah. in theaters and i if i were a critic i would have just seen the musketeers like a couple <laughs> weeks before yeah so it's like I know that's not really how you're supposed to, like, grade a movie, but it, it, it would be impossible for me to not, like, think about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, do you want me to pull up the cinema score? Sure. I'll do it in just a second. Uh, do you have a guess for the cinema score? Uh, I'm going to say B+. Plus. 
I think it was a lot of older people that went to see it. And yeah, I bet they liked it. Uh, I'll say like A minus. <laughs> okay, okay. Just because like the the cinema score is always like so different. It's it's always much higher than you think. Okay. Don't. Uh, B plus. Okay. You got it. Cool. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I recall, my grandma liked it. <laughs> so that's that's my uh, that's my measuring stick. So yeah. if my grandma liked it. I assume all old people liked it. Yeah. And that was mostly who was going to see it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There's they they don't uh, really aim for that audience they anymore. They don't give a fuck about people older than a certain age. <laughs> yeah. Unless you happen to care about Marvel movies for some <laughs> reason. Yeah. It's 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 actually a big bummer, really. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I feel like we kind of lament that era yeah. of filmmaking a lot on this show, um, but it's also like impossible not to like think about while watching all these movies from two thousand two, which was an era where yeah. anything would get made, right? <laughs> you know, uh, who who could be our next Michael Douglas? Like, if somebody were to, like, do a great erotic, like, somebody were to come up with a great erotic thriller, or, like, a Race Against Time thriller. Like, who would you want to see, like, kind of age gracefully into thriller mode? Because I I, I think I got my answer. Um, okay, like, what? I'm gonna go Jake Gyllenhaal. Ah, okay. A little younger than I was thinking. Yeah, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't love all of his movie choices. No, that that could work. But, um, I mean, I think, like, some of my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performances, like uh, Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's got a real nervous energy in that movie. Yeah. And while that's not, like, a thriller in the same way that Since. this is a thriller, yeah. I can imagine him being stressed out. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... I think he's fine in like Source Code too, which is mm-hmm. like a race against yeah time loop movie or whatever. Right. But I don't know. That uh, just off the top of my head, that's a yeah. guy I would think I could Get... see in stuff like this. Yeah. When he's a little older. Uh, and I was thinking John Hamm. Yeah, Hamm needs something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he really does because we were talking about him a little bit when we saw Top Gun recently, mm-hmm. which we haven't talked about on the show yet. But um, he he does two things now: commercials and <laughs> playing like steely um, authority. authority figures. Yeah. <laughs> and while I think he's pretty good at authority figures, yeah. like because I think he's pretty good in Top Gun. Yeah, for what's asked of him. For what's asked yeah. of him, I think it's because he's basically the usage. Of yeah, because he's basically the. Tom Skerritt in yeah. that movie, right? Yeah. Because Ed Harris is the Michael Ironside, and yeah, yeah, and Ham is the Tom Skerritt. Yeah, and he's pretty good at that. Being like, I mean, I think he is. God damn it, Maverick! <laughs> and he's he's like fine in most of the stuff he's asked to do. Like he's fine in um in uh, what's the Eastwood one? with the, the guy's name like, uh, and I know Richard Jewell Richard Jewell he's yeah. fine Richard Jewell he plays just kind of like a, a yeah a horny a horny FBI guy <laughs> um but like 
it seemed like after Mad Men, like he was destined for more. Yeah. Because he's really good on Mad Men, and that mm-hmm. show's really good, even if it kind of lost a little bit of steam for me towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I know. I know his personal interests, I guess, are heavily in, like, comedy. Yeah. He wants to do more right. comedy. Yeah. But... I saw him at the Largo for some comedy show. I, he was funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I have an expectation for what I want from John Hamm, and it's, it's not like tag and stuff. Okay. But I guess nobody, yeah. nobody wants tag. Yeah, maybe somebody needs to do like a, like a, he needs a reinvention. You know what? If he were in uh, Deep Water, the Ben Affleck movie, might have been. There might have been something there. Did you watch that? Yeah, I did watch it. I kind of wanted to I see I talked it. about it on the podcast. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. I kind of wanted to see that. Uh, or something like that. Like, uh, even like maybe, I mean, I, I want to just give him Affleck roles, but like something <laughs> like Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. I could have, I can imagine that maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, I think Affleck's great in Gone Girl, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's get John John Hammond something. <laughs> I mean, just I think he needs a I think he needs a career reinvention. Nah, he's he's too young to do like the Bill Murray style, like oh I'm just gonna be an Oscar contender mm-hmm. occasionally now. Yeah, but like he he needs to. I don't know, mm-hmm. like because uh, most prominently now I just think of him as the Mercedes Benz voice guy, right. <laughs> and I'm like, you're. I think you. I think he's too talented to just be another Josh Lucas, who's like the Lowe's voice guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is. I think we'll be able to talk about Josh Lucas in some 2002 movie. Hulk. Is that 2002 that's, or is that's that 2003? Oh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama. All right. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to talk about that one. Yeah. Well, do we have anything else to say about Don't Say a Word? Or uh, I think we probably... No, I think we yeah. could. Um, the, the home video edition episodes are always a little shaggier than the, uh, the proper episodes. Yeah. Well, especially because I like kind of digging into the plot a little more in these ones. Yeah. Because especially like in some of our more recent episodes we haven't gone like scene by scene in on the normal yeah. episodes mm-hmm. and i don't think we will with monsoon wedding either. right i mean yeah we haven't done that yet mm-hmm. but like that's our next one and like i think that movie's probably going to be pretty good yeah at least for our standard to this point of 2002 mm-hmm. uh but i don't think we're gonna like go scene by scene because i don't think that movie's necessarily about the scene by scene plot if that makes sense right so yeah it's always kind of fun we can really dig in really to each dig and every into scene stupid ass movie that <laughs> <laughs> no, we get c minuses too yeah which I, i'll stand by yeah i i agree i mean i it, it feels wrong to give it a d plus it's how, how it came down to it like I don't know that I think this movie is necessarily C minus good, but I know it's not D plus bad. Yeah. So by default, it's a C minus. Yeah. C minus minus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, well, that's Don't Say a Word, and that was another home video edition of that's right. 2002 of Film Odyssey. Uh, I think we'll be back, like, probably in, like, a week for a Monsoon Wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, um, we're going to wrap up February with um, the Queen of the Damned. Queen of the Damned, yeah. We, uh, we should have a guest. Should have a guest. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, and then it'll be updated calendar time because we'll, yeah, be, we'll be switching to March. March 2002. Finally, at yeah. last. <laughs> it's been quite a journey <laughs> going yeah. through February. Yeah. I think uh, what next week we were going to, in addition to Monsoon Wedding, we were going to also do some um, cinema scores for some of the earlier movies we talked about yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, we're going right? to play the cinema score game for some of the movies that we talked about earlier because that's a more recent addition to yeah. our uh, our little game our that we do yeah. yeah 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 so that'll be fun mm-hmm. uh and i'm i'm actually i've been looking forward to watching monsoon wedding yeah me too uh, i read a lot of uh positive reviews that said um that you can kind of see the influence it had on like rachel getting married which uh which i have seen yeah and you yeah. like that movie. i do like rachel getting married yeah, yeah so um uh, yeah curious about it um it could be good and i also recently or just a couple days ago bought the criterion for uh, mississippi masala oh cool yeah so you're you're, you're getting into marinare uh yeah i figured i'd watch that with a monsoon wedding yeah so um yeah so that's coming next week and uh and that's what you got to look forward to that's what you got to look forward to yeah. a couple episodes mm-hmm. on the horizon and then uh and then uh i'll be uh putting together an updated calendar for uh yeah the may or not may <laughs> getting mm-hmm. a couple months out of myself the march movies yeah uh yeah. And then, like, what's what's in that? We've talked about this a little bit, but like, forty days, forty nights. We were soldiers. Oh, as far as March goes, yeah. Like, uh, what, what, are, what do people have to look forward to? Uh, that would be like uh, Panic Room, right? Panic Room. And that'll be a good one because we can talk more Fincher. Yeah, and uh, it's funny talking about Panic Room because. I think you, the last time we talked about Panic Room, you said you hadn't seen it in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I watch Panic Room kind of regularly. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not been one of the Fincher ones that like was ever a standout to me. I mm-hmm. mean, I remember liking it at the time, but I uh, probably haven't seen it since I bought the original like Superbit DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, because it never got released on Blu-ray. Maybe if it got released on Blu-ray, I would have watched it more often. Yeah. But it still has never gotten a release date. And it got a 4K release date for this year. Uh-huh. And then they pulled it. You got delayed, right? Yeah. Or just like... It's not on the schedule anymore. It. So like when it's coming out is anyone's guess. Yeah. Because like like a year ago, Heat was supposed to come out. Maybe not a year ago, like eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And now Heat's finally coming out in August, the same day as Heat 2, the novel by Michael Mann. Yeah. So uh, maybe they're waiting for some reason, some tie-in mm-hmm. or what, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, real super quick, what you have to look forward to the March calendar. 40 Days, 40 Nights, We Were Soldiers, All About the Benjamins. <laughs> okay. Uh, the time machine. Ugh, okay. 
Uh, Kissing Jessica Stein. Okay. Harrison's Flowers. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't I wasn't positive what we were going to do Harrison's Flowers or not. Okay. <laughs> we can... Uh, we, we can, can briefly I, touch if, I'll do an individual report no, if I, I have I, to. I, I can watch Harrison's Flowers. Uh, Ice Age. All right. Resident Evil. Okay. Showtime. Oof, okay. Blade 2, finally. Excellent, yeah. It was still in my top three Marvel movies. Uh, I would agree. Maybe yeah. even top two. Yeah. Uh, Sorority Boys. Oh. Clock Stoppers. <sighs> Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Death to Smoochie. All right. <laughs> I didn't realize when we were talking about uh, Lucky Numbers earlier that we would be able to talk about Death to Smoochie. Yeah. Maybe you should rewatch Lucky Numbers before we <laughs> do. Just uh, so we can talk about how insane that movie do is. I, do I have to? <laughs> it's on HBO Max. Um, uh, Panic Room, The Rookie, which I saw on the same day. Uh, you hate The Rookie. I remember hating The Rookie, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's it. That's a good month. I th- well... I don't know. There's some low lows in there, like Sorority Boys. <laughs> Soror- now, that's a movie I've never seen. I saw it. Yeah. That could be a contender for bottom five of 2002. Yeah. It's uh, it's up there. Or down there. When was the last time you saw it? Because I feel Theaters. Like, yeah. Yeah. That might be a movie that sticks out even more like a sore thumb. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now I know we always say like, oh, worst movie of 2002 has to be Master of Disguise, but I always think of my least favorite movie of 2002 as being something else. Mm. And it's not Sorority Boys, but it's close. It's not Slackers? It's not Slackers. Because I didn't see that until recently. Oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't see that until we did the episode. Um... It's not Boat Trip, because that actually yeah. came out in 03. Right? Think, like, kind of teen-friendly sex comedy. In 02. Yeah. Teen-friendly sex comedy. Yeah. Um, what's another hint? Uh, have I seen this movie? I think, yes. Yeah, you have. Oh, Van Wilder. Van Wilder. <laughs> That's right, yeah. You hate Van Wilder. Yep. I mean, I hate Van Wilder, too. Um, I think we are, like, obligated to have Travis <laughs> on that episode because he likes Van Wilder. Yeah. Um, and that, that would be an interesting, because I don't think we've really had an episode where there's a big disparity. Yeah, where somebody would give a movie an F yeah. and somebody would give like the movie... Maybe like you give like you give a movie like a C that maybe I gave a D or vice versa. That's true. But I don't think there's been anything like where... Like Travis might give Van Wilder like a B and we, we'll probably give an F. <laughs> oh, I, I guarantee you I will give it an F. <laughs> that is a terrible film. Uh, yeah. That's... I'm looking forward to that in a, in a <laughs> sick way. Um, I don't know, there are some March ones, though, that I think are going to be fun episodes. Like, even like 40 Days and 40 Nights, I'm kind of looking forward to mm-hmm. watching again. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm probably not good. Uh, uh, Blade 2. Blade 2, definitely. I think Blade 2 rules oh, for what it is. Yeah. And I also forgot uh, Ali G in the house. Uh, okay. Is that 
did that get released over here in 2002? I don't think it did. I think according, it got a DVD release. According to Wikipedia, it did. Okay. I've never seen Ology in the house. I saw it on cable once. Um, mm, is what I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I mean, it says, yeah, it says March 22nd, 2002. On... So that was the UK. Limited theatrical release in the United States. It doesn't say when, though. If you dig deep on um, IMDb, you can probably find it if you really care. Yeah. Like, if you go through the whole list of release dates and look for the USA. Yeah. Uh, I could settle this right now for us. Just, All right. Just so we know for sure. Because uh, our listeners and Dennis especially <laughs> wants to know when Allergy Into House came out in America. Uh, it was only released in Austin, Texas, and not until 2003. Okay. And then it got a DVD release in 2004 in the States. So no, it didn't get much of a release. So no, we won't be talking about Ali G in the house. Okay, uh, which is fine. I don't. Uh, I don't think we need to add more movies to this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> considering uh, March might take us through the end of this year. Yeah, <laughs> like that's uh, a lot of not, a lot but, of movies but, I just rattled off. But, yeah, uh, I mean, and we haven't even gotten to the summer because the summer is going to be even more crazy. I think. Yeah, because February was a. Decent chunk of movies. Yeah. Um, and this is another decent chunk, so... Yeah. So that's what you gotta look forward to when we finally get to March. Yeah. After we finish. <laughs> that's still two episodes away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two, two more to come. <laughs> and that's after this, so... Yeah. Um, well, that's all I have to say. Anything to plug, Dan? Uh, yeah, my mouth. Because I'm not gonna say a word. Don't <laughs> say a word. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have anything to plug. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have to say. Um, I'm thirsty. That's yeah. what I have to say. So, uh, Go listen to our, uh, the, our Rollerball episode, because that's a really good one. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah. that was that was, um, that was a good one. Yeah. And uh, that's a fun conversation uh, with Chris. Uh, yeah. That, uh, yeah. 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 Won't be able to have him on our show anymore, so. But, but that's a good good one to listen to to you know remember him by definitely and yeah. uh yeah I'll, I'll probably they'll probably post a clip on our instagram from that episode mm-hmm. before if you're hearing this i probably that probably will already be done yeah so. uh yeah well that's all thank you so much for listening and see all you right. next time adios bye-bye